Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a Friday installment of the program. Finally back from the NFL Scouting Combine and at our home away from home. Island Wing Company here on Southside Boulevard. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlin, Lauren Brooks here on location. Andrew Gibson back at World Headquarters. Who does an early flight today. It was. Up it's, and early. It, look, Indianapolis, great city. They have some things that hopefully we'll have yeah, in 10 downtown. years when it comes to a real connected downtown. But is there anywhere else on earth you'd rather live than Jacksonville? Oh. I mean, it's just such a reminder. You know, in football season, the trips are quick. You know, you're literally gone only about 30 hours. You fly out Saturday and you come back Sunday night. You, so you, you don't really get a sense. But being gone for three or four days, you just get such an appreciation for what we have here. And it's not, it's not even like for us, this is a six out of ten. I mean, the weather, it's warm, but it's not overly sunny. But it's just its just so good to be back. Breeze was blowing today, went for a walk, walked the dog, sat outside for us. It was beautiful here today. It was an early flight. I don't mind early flights. I don't particularly like turbulent flights. Yeah, we turbulence. had a lot of that. And that first flight, we were certainly going through some weather. But I will say the second flight, as we're coming over, you know, we started at the ocean and then came across Jacksonville. So just looking down seeing how gorgeous our city is. I, I loved it. And I sat next to someone who'd never been here before. He lives in Arizona. He's a farmer in Arizona. And he said, this place is unbelievable. He hadn't even, like, we hadn't even touched down yet. He's like, this place is gorgeous. I was like, well, welcome to the, to the city. I gave him some recommendations of places to go. So there you go. So there you go. But it's good to be back. Weather's gorgeous here today. A little breeze blowing. And, by the way, we're our last show before the Players Week. I mean, I it's know. a busy, uh, they're all busy times. <laughs> I figured that out. There's no non-busy times around here. Uh, we got a busy show for you today. We'll talk a little combine. Uh, we'll give you some final thoughts from that. Jared Rice stops by 340, the fantastic executive director of the uh, Players' Championship. They've got their big event going on. Taylor's going to check in from their uh, their pre-tournament event, uh, uh, and that, that comes up in just a bit. So we'll hear from Taylor Dahl, uh, and Jared Rice will be with us at 340. Our friend Mike Fleming certainly will talk about. They have a military job fair, and Mike does so much. Retired Brigadier General uh, Mike Fleming, who's so involved in helping uh, those in the military uh, improve their lives in this military job fair as part of it. That's tomorrow. Mike always stops by to take, tell us about that. He'll be here at 4 o'clock. And then I want you to hear some of the stuff we had. I want you to uh, hear again, certainly from Doug Peterson. Uh, one more time to hear that interview. He was so good. Trent Balky, if we get a chance to. Uh, there's part of our roundtable, our four play-by-play guy roundtable that you did not hear. You heard half of it. I want you to hear a little. I heard a lot of good comments about that, so that comes up later on the show. And I think we got to do the Q&A with Molinaro again, don't we? Oh, yeah. Just a two-minute Q&A because uh, it was next day. I mean, there's too many good people on that thing not to hear them again. Absolutely. And and now, of course, with the SEC permanent opponents kind of coming out and Saban yeah. not being very happy, I'm just picturing yeah. Molinaro doing mm. the Saban, you know, yeah. unhappy with their he's rotation. Got all, he's got all kind of new inf- Lots of material. Yeah, he That's does. Right. Uh, but let's start with the combine. Uh, we'll do this for the first segment. Too. First of all, uh, let's get to the news. Stetson Bennett spoke today. He... Uh, it was interesting. He got sort of uh, he got grilled a little bit about the off-field stuff. Obviously, the uh, the drunken disorderly. I think that's what it was. And, uh, and public intoxication. Public intoxication, and then and also the um, the some comments, some a little bit a uh, little aggressive comments in the parade. What did you think of his comments and and how he's going to be perceived by uh, this group? Uh, you know, I thought he did a good job of of trying to you know perform damage control as best as possible, but. It's, again, I think it's going to be tough for general managers to to look past it. I mean, Stetson Bennett is in a, a mix of probably five or five to seven quarterbacks that are in that 
I'd say I wouldn't even say second wave. I'd say third wave. Um, and again, you want your he's he is going to be a backup quarterback in the NFL at least when he enters the league. Now maybe he'll surprise people and become a great player, but uh, but you're taking Stetson Bennett to be your developmental backup quarterback. And the last thing you want out of that position is distractions, immaturity, uh, bad decision making off the field. And he, it, this isn't something from three years ago. This just happened. And he's a kind of a, I mean, look, I made tons of mistakes at that age, but I, you know, he's a little old to be making that kind of a mistake at this pivotal point in your professional life when you're getting ready to launch your career. Uh, I, I think it's, it's going to hurt him. I mean, he's got strengths as a player, uh, winner. He's got good speed. Uh, you know, I, 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 I see all that. I think his, you know, his athleticism, he certainly can play in the NFL. But you have to, you have to be very confident in Stetson Bennett's decision-making off the field, in my opinion, to select him and use a draft pick uh, to bring him into your program. So I, I think... You know, I think you're looking at sixth round, you know, something like that. I, I think a GM will ultimately say, you know what, let's bring him in. He knows. A sixth round pick, if you mess up, they're just going to cut you. So, you know, he, he will have that, you know, hanging over him is he's not going to be drafted in a position where the club is going to have to tolerate things. If you're a late round pick, you mess up, you're gone. End of story. I think he was coached well in how to respond to the media. Uh, didn't really get chippy with people and I think that's a good thing but as of now you're talking about a, a quarterback that doesn't have the skill set exactly that NFL teams want and has off-field stuff so yeah I agree it, he I think it, there's a chance he's not drafted yeah I, I do too I, I think I, my guess is because it's so hard to find quarterbacks that you get late in the draft someone's going to figure why not and I think he will but it wouldn't shock me he uh he's a uh look he's a long shot anyway to make it in the NFL to the guy's credit, he's been a long shot his whole life, and he keeps making it. You know, so and, and again, you can't deny that he's been a long shot his whole life, and he keeps making, he keeps beating the odds. And so, so we'll see whether or not he does. The other comments came from Will Levis. I loved his comment. Someone asked Will Levis, "Why are you going to throw?" He said, "Because I've got a cannon. I want to show it off." <laughs> well, I, I thought it was a great comment. That is a great comment. And again, he's he is he's sort of been, I think, this week kind of put off to the side. Because Richardson is such a polarizing prospect that he's been Correct. the talk of the combine early on. And Bryce Young's size has been such a sticking point. And, Frank, you bring up a great point. C.J. Stroud as well has sort of been lost yeah. in the shuffle a little bit. But it, it feels like with Will Levis, he really has been. And, uh, again, this is a, a major opportunity tomorrow night for Will Levis to, to display arm talent that, look, throughout the history of the league, uh, if you've got top five, top seven arm talent, if, if Will Levis steps into the NFL with one of the top seven arms, somebody is going to select him high no matter what happened at Kentucky. And to me, he was better and, more, and he's more experienced than Richardson. So if you're more of a traits organization, Richards, uh, Levis at least gives you a little bit more. He's a two-year starter. And I thought two years ago he looked really good. Right. Uh, this year he didn't look good. But, again, we don't know how much of that was, uh, you know, the injuries that he sustained. And that's where your area scouts are going to be able to give you a really clear picture of this is what he was playing through. Uh, and, and 
then you make the determination of how much of a benefit of the doubt you're going to give them for a season that was disappointing. Yeah, I think Will Levis is the third quarterback off the board. We also know that Will Levis loves attention. So he knew making that comment. He knew telling Pro Football Focus he can throw the ball 80 yards through the air. Like, he knows how that's going to be perceived, and he loves that stuff. You think AR is fourth? Yes. I think AR is fourth. I think AR is fourth. Yeah, by the way, uh, 19 touchdowns, 10 picks for Will Levis. Kind of like my guy, Graham Mertz. Okay? <laughs> just saying. I'm just planting a seed here, okay? Yeah. I'm just here to say my guy, Graham. My, right. guy, my guy, Graham. Well, you know, yeah. next year, if, you know, we're lucky enough to be back at the I'm Combine. Just saying. Just I uh, saying. fully expect we'll be Graham there for Mertz to, you know, have 70 reporters around <laughs> this podium. He'll be at the podium. Yeah. Okay? Graham will be at the podium. Just saying. When Graham's at the podium, just say, I, no, I told you so. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to give you our thoughts of three days there. Not just prospects. Prospects is one thing. What we gleaned, we talked to an awful lot of NFL media. We were around NFL folks uh, all week long, on the air and off the air. Um, state of the NFL, state of the draft, state of the people, state of the league moving forward after the folks with whom we spoke on and off air. We'll do that for one segment. We'll turn it to golf a little bit after that when Jared Rice is, uh, joins us. But uh, we'll talk a little bit of a combine when we come back. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hey guys, Taylor Dahl here live at TPC Sawgrass for the 2023 Players' Championship preview party. We now sit just a few days away from Players' Championship week kicking off one of the best events to take place in Jacksonville, obviously. And with the strongest field in golf heading to town, tune in the next couple hours to our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, plus here on 1010XL for live updates on what to expect this next week if you are heading out to the tournament. But first, I want to fill you guys in on opening weekend festivities. The fan shop will open this weekend for early access. That way you are able to get all first dibs on the new merch and always wonderful TPC merch. In addition to a first glimpse at the food and beverages, you will be able to get out here at the players this year. In addition to a chance for you to test out the 17 replica. This is going on now and tomorrow and Sunday at 4 p.m. Parking is free in the general lot. Visit theplayers.com for more information. Good stuff from Taylor Dahl, and we will certainly talk all things players next segment when Jared Rice joins us. Frank Ranger, Hayes Carline, I'm Lauren Brooks. We're live here at Island Wing Southside. Andrew Gibson back at 1010XL headquarters. All right, Frank, I think the biggest storyline from the combine outside of Jalen Carter is Anthony Richardson. No question. I think that is if you, if one thing you, if you took away from that, it's what people are talking about the most. The thing everybody's talking about the most is Anthony Richardson. How he'll because they don't know what to think. The, the the is he a unicorn of some sorts? Is he something you never see? A guy that big, that strong, that fast, that has all those traits, but people aren't sure. You know when Jamarcus Russell came out, big strong arm, there was no doubt he was going number one. The question was, would he be any good? Cam Newton, same same thing. One was, one wasn't. I think so here, so here comes another guy just like that. Everybody wants to make the Josh Allen comp. That's the comp. The big, same thing, big, strong, fast guy with a rifle arm and can run fast and has a big body. But I would agree with Lauren Hayes. The number one thing people were talking about that I thought from the combine when you, that, 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 is, that is at the combine. I mean, people are talking all about the league and who just won and the Super Bowl and Mahomes. And, but, I mean, apart from that, as far as guys at the combine – the thing people talked about the most was Anthony Richardson. I, I think by a mile because you don't know if he can play. Bryce Young is, is talked about at length, but everybody agrees he can play. Right, that's it's right. It's just a question of will he hold up at that size. 
with Anthony Richardson, there is literally no in-between. It feels like he's either going to be an all-pro player and a franchise quarterback, or he is not going to be in the league in three years. I mean, that's the extreme of where this is. And, uh, and, and again, it, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to for me to get past the lack of productivity that we saw. And I understand Florida did not have great receivers. I do think they had a good running game uh, that should have helped him. Uh, he had some drops, particularly in the FSU game. Uh, Caleb Douglas, I think, dropped three. Uh, that would have drastically changed his numbers in that game. But, uh, but I, I, just, I just get back to what we've talked about all week, is that short to intermediate accuracy, is it going to be there? Uh, he's coming into the league at the right time. That helps him uh, because you can. Teams are more comfortable having their quarterback run it 10 or 12 times. But then that brings up another issue because he should have been running the ball 15 times a game at Florida. 20 times, particularly in big games. I mean, he's with that kind of athleticism at the college level, even in the SEC, he should have been a really dominant runner, and he wasn't. Now, was that because he was hurt and it was just a fluke year? I mean, it's just it's almost like everything with Anthony Richardson when it comes down to him as a player, there is a massive yeah but attached to it and, again, that's, that's what these teams are going to have to figure out. If you're willing to give Anthony Richardson every benefit of the doubt, he's the number one pick. I mean, you couldn't draw up an athlete any better at that position. We Agreed. saw him yesterday yeah. on Radio Row. I mean, he looks like he could play defensive end. I mean, he, he's almost the running back equivalent of what uh, Derrick Henry was at the Combine. He, just, he is just freakishly bigger than most, not all, but most quarterbacks in the NFL. But he just has shown no lack of savvy, moxie, knowledge, anticipation. And you have to, I think you're making a massive gamble to assume that's going to come at the greatest level of football that there is. And it's crazy to me when you hear, like Matt Miller said today, Anthony Richardson is crushing the interview process. He's talked to a bunch of scouts, and they all said Anthony Richardson is the best quarterback interview they've had this year. That's what Matt Miller said. So, Frank, is it possible that teams are just going to look at him, watch the workout tomorrow night, which, he, like we've said all along, he is going to just put on a show, and then they're going to say he's intelligent. Maybe Florida just didn't have it together, and I'm drafting him number one. Uh, yes. I or think the that, first quarterback. Yeah, or, or number one. I think it is possible. I think this. Every possible thing you can do in Indianapolis, he will do well. Physically, he is going to be 6'4", 250. He is going to run 4'5", or less. He is going to have the strongest arm. He's going to be able to throw it the furthest on the tightest rope, the tightest spiral, and he's going to hit guys that he knows the routes they're running. Uh, he's going to interview great. He's a really nice kid. He's a really hard worker. He's really well-liked. He's a really good teammate. He's a servant leader. Everything you could po- – to, to the point you just made, Lauren, every possible thing you could do, he is going to do well this week. There's no debating it. He's going to do all of it very well. And somebody could fall in love with all that and say, you know, there's so much good. I think I can teach him the knack. 
Because the question here's the here's the question that is going to come up about Anthony Richardson, and quite frankly, maybe the only question is this: when he drops the throw, and a team instead of being in that cover two, they sneak a robber underneath, and now it's a cover two robber, and he didn't see that guy, and it's a curl flat, and all of a sudden that guy's sitting on the curl, and that was his first read, and the cornerback drops, and the flat isn't there either. What happens then? Is he is he in, does he make the right read? Does he have the savvy to throw it out of bounds because nothing's there? Does he get to the next progression? Does he eat it if he has to? Does he take off and run at the right time? Over and over and over. And the other thing is, when a guy is open, does he hit him? Because here's what the NFL guys do. When they're wide open, they hit him 100% of the time. And will he be able to do that? So, And, I, and you, can't, you don't know. You, don't, you know the other stuff. Hardworking, great traits, great kid. You know that. We all know that. What you don't know is what Dan Mullen always feared. And that is he wouldn't know what play to make. He wouldn't always make the right play when what he was, when what he was expecting didn't happen from the defense. That's the question that you're always going to get, and we, we continue to get about him. And I think until we know that answer, and, yeah, so someone's going to take it. Someone's going to take a chance that I can teach him that. And, by the way, there were plenty of times that he, he had the knack and did do the right thing. It's not – don't make the mistake of thinking he never did because that's not accurate either. Right, and it- – I think what's interesting is we'll know pretty soon because if, let's say, he, he is a, drafted as one of the first quarterbacks, he'll most likely end up in the AFC South Hayes. So we'll know pretty quickly if they are. And obviously we'll have training camp reports and things like that. But, I mean, as far as actual games, we'll know pretty quickly because we'll have faced him. And I, if he's in the AFC South, you'd love that to be the opener. Because, uh, again, if, if he goes in the AFC South, that tells me I don't think he's – I don't – the Titans, A, don't seem like they're taking a quarterback, although that could be somewhat of a smokescreen. Mm-hmm. Maybe you Tannehill one more year, let Rich, Richardson develop. But if he's in the AFC South with the Colts or the Texans, he's the guy week one. I mean, he, he just you, you can't take him that high and then basically say, no, we're going to start Davis Mills. Right. You know, or we're going to start decrepit Matt Ryan if he's even still there. <laughs> he's doing TV. Um, Did you see him do TV? Yeah. He was doing TV all weekend. Yes. So, decrepit. I mean, in the hoodie. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, in the hoodie. It's, uh, it, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think there's a lot of challenges. I mean, he is a super nice kid. I really enjoyed your interview, Frank, with him at SEC Media Days. He was humble and, um, and, and, he, and he always took blame. He didn't throw people under the bus for a disappointing year at Florida. He could have easily gotten up there and said, guys, we can't stop anybody. What do you expect me to do, score 70 every time we play? Our defense is terrible. He obviously never even hinted at that, any frustration there, anything with his receivers. He took accountability, even in times where maybe he didn't have to. Uh, all that stuff is great, but the lack of savvy, the lack of durability, uh, the lack of experience, I, I just think it's – I think he could get there in time, but it's not going to be September, October, November, or December this year. Yeah, it'll certainly be fascinating to see. Frank, other thoughts outside of AR from the Combine? I'm trying to think of the edge guys at AMI. I love Nolan Smith, and I think he's there at 24. Is he there at 24? I don't think so now. I mean, it, there's a chance uh, – he was he he's had an unbelievable combine. It's over for him now. I mean, so I mean, the he he was fantastic at the podium. I'm sure he did amazing uh, with his team interviews. Uh, you get the collegiate production uh, in terms of uh, you know seeing a potential dominant player, uh, and his testing was I mean just an amazing. I mean, what he did yesterday was just simply 
amazing with the uh, unbelievable 40-time sub-4-4, 41.5 vert. Uh, so showing that explosiveness that you want at that position and the unbelievable speed. I'd love for him to be at 24. Boy, I really would too. Um, but I, I, I would say it went from me thinking 65% chance he's there at 24 to probably now like 45% chance he's there at 24. How many edges go before him? Five? Uh, well, all right. Let's see. We'll Will Anderson's Will going Anderson, ahead of him. Tyree, Tyree Wilson. Jackson, uh, yeah. Tyree Wilson. Uh, Van Nest from Iowa. Yep. He's probably going ahead of him. I would agree. Um, the Army guy, are they about the same? Andre Carter? Uh, could. Miles Murphy from Clemson? Yeah, Murphy's a good a good bet. Um, Ojolari or no? I wouldn't think. Maybe not ahead of him. Yeah. But, I mean, there's – so, if if he's the sixth, fifth or sixth edge, there's a chance he could be there. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. That means he's going to be there, but there's a chance he could be there. And if there's a run on quarterbacks, that greatly helps yes. Jacksonville, obviously. I'm looking at a mock draft here on CBS Sports, and Nolan Smith is not in the first round. This is by Josh Edwards. How long ago? Five hours ago. Oh, okay. So it's, it's with the combined information. So it, Who does he have the Jags taking? That is an excellent question. I will get back to you on that. Okay. And see, it's hard with – Again, because at least at this point, we have no idea what free agency is going to bring. So until then, it's hard. The mocks in terms of what the, the mocks right now are hard with nothing done in the free agent period. And, and it's not just what the Jaguars are going to do in free agency, which I think is going to be pretty minimal. It's what's going to happen around the league because that's going to affect the first 23 dominoes in this thing. So, I mean, we, ha- point. we have an idea of who's going to be there at 24, but that could change because the teams that are ahead of the Jaguars, their needs are going to change as they commit money in free agency. He has the Jaguars taking Brian Breesey, who we certainly that'd got, be great. To, who got would, to see. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I'd sign up for that right now. I would, too. He's a really good player. Now, what happens? Does Fadakasi become a backup immediately? Uh, and it's very expensive backup. You can't, kill, you can't cut Fadakasi. It costs you too much. Correct. Right? So... So does he become a very important? But you're right, though. Worry about good players. He's a good player. He is a he is a good. I, I could I could sign up for that too. I'd rather an edge, but I could sign up for that. And it's funny how many times are the Jaguars going to draft an edge high? Well, no, this is certainly lower. But they've drafted. They've put a lot into that position. It, it, this is the beauty of having quarterback solved, is you can devote stupid resources to something that's important. And pass rush is the next most important thing. Uh, with coverage right behind it. And so uh, if, if you're the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence is 23. I, I mean, you don't have to worry about that position. So take all your assets uh, or, you know, take a significant portion of your premium assets right. and solve your most glaring need, which is getting after the quarterback. Yeah. Again, That's a, the, 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 the 24th pick, if it's an edge player, is not going to be deemed the savior of the pass rush in right, 2023. Right. But can you come in? Can you contribute? Uh, the, the answer has to come from Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen. It's got to be an in-house answer. If Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen combine for 12 and a half sacks next year, that's not going to be nearly good enough for this team to fill that void that they had this season. Assuming somebody doesn't come out of nowhere, free agent guy, Nolan Smith, whatever, somebody doesn't. I agree. They, those guys have to play better. So, so we'll see. By the way, Cansey, the Kalijah Cansey, who played for Pitt, the defensive tackle, he ran a faster 40 time than Aaron Donald. How about that? It was wild. And, and the Northwestern kid, who I'm not even going to begin to pronounce, uh, he, Daniel Jeremiah. Out of Aware, we'll go yeah, with that. 
for the last Daniel week. Jeremiah on uh, tweeted out the comparisons between him and Trayvon Walker's combine. It's incredible. Really? The Northwestern kid is 10 pounds heavier and had better speed and explosive numbers. Now, again, four, four, nine you him. also need to be able to you know, play football. I don't know, you know how people view him in terms of a football player. But, uh, but so there was some unbelievable performances yesterday in the testing. And, and, again, we know there's some stock that's put into it. We'd like to dismiss it. But there's certainly some stock that's put into the combine. Otherwise, why would any of these guys go? Uh, and, and it's fun. When, when you see four or five just spectacular performances, it's really amazing what, uh, what these young men are capable of. And it's going to be a lot of fun watching the DBs as they get going here mm-hmm. uh, and seeing some of the times there. That certainly could be a hot zone for the Jaguars at 24. And then tomorrow is going to be just, I mean, I just cannot wait. Particularly not, it's funny, you think, it would be because Jacksonville might need a quarterback. No, nope. it's not. It's almost like we've got our guy. Yeah, get your so popcorn. I'm going to just enjoy. <laughs> yeah, you know these other That's teams right. that need one going through the misery yeah. of having to figure this puzzle out because it is it is quite the puzzle trying to figure out one through four with these quarterbacks. Uh, to golf we go when we come back. Jared Rice one last time. He's been with us every Wednesday. This week it's Friday because we were traveling. Uh, we are right around the corner. A big event today, and the players starts next week. Jared joins us after this. Stay with us. Hey, guys. Taylor Dahl here again live at the TPC Sawgrass for the 2023 Players' Championship Preview Party. The Players' Championship always does a fantastic job of keeping things new and exciting, and this year, boy, do they have something really cool for you. The Players app you can find in your app store has a ton of new features to help make the day even more fun and even easier. The new app, in addition to leaderboard live updates, live looks from the most recent shots from the players in action, they now have an in-app GPS. That way, strolling around the course is even easier. Simply click a player or a hole you would like to get to, and the app will give you directions with the easiest and quickest route. You can also do this to find certain food vendors or beverages you would like. Just simply type in the name like tacos at 12 and the app will get you right there visit theplayers.com for more information we welcome you back that time of year that time of week that's riley green that riley green this is riley green who will be performing at the military appreciation concert on tuesday to say thanks to all the military for all they do all right we're gonna have jared rice any moment now uh, he checks in from the Players' Championship. He is the executive director there. One last time he will join us, and you know he's excited. I want to hear, and by the way, the deadline for player uh, to, to know the whole field is today, right? 5 o'clock. That's right. Today. 5 o'clock today, so we'll know. Tiger's got an hour and 20 minutes. Come on, Tiger. Come on, Tom. Come on, Tiger. But uh, Jerry joins us just a moment, and again, they have their big event today. And uh, coming up uh, later on, Tyler, Taylor Dahl continues to check in. From the players, great food, great fun, great course. Gosh, I can't wait to get out there next week. I, I I'm chomping at the bit. Unlike Jared Rice, I don't have a lot of work to do over the weekend. I'm just going to go out and watch. Jared joins us now. All right. Well, I love this day more than any others. Are you, are you you're ready? You're nervous? You can't wait? You're tired? All of it? What do you got? Yeah. Bring it. All of it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's here. Uh, I mean, 51 yeah. weeks. We, we get ready for this. Uh, the, I mean, the sun shining, the wind. It's, it's breezy out here. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you that. But, uh same thing. Course, course looks awesome. Uh, I heard you talking about some of our food partners. They're all loading in. It's, it's buzzing out here. Um, we're keeping an eye on, on next week. We get some, you know, it looks like some, some sun in the forecast, which is which is great for us. So we're, we're fired up. It's, it's here. And, and, Jared, you told us 
the weather we've had, not just the weather we expect to have next week, but the weather we've had leading up has just been a godsend, right, for the golf course. Uh, you've been telling us that, and i got to believe that hasn't changed much, right? Well, it's interesting. So, you know, the um, you know in this cycle, normally we would have more, more rain. So uh, you have the benefit of overseed and all the things that, that we do agronomically to get prepared, and the, and the greens are – they're uh, they're they're pretty firm. They're 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 ready to roll, and that's been um, you know again just one of the you know one of the challenges you have in a uh, in an overseed environment when it can be a little bit rainy. You know, keeping those uh, keeping the greens at a championship level, and, and Jeff and his team have, have got it. So the um, course will be ready, and uh, guys will start coming up tomorrow. That you know don't make the cut at Arnold Palmer. We'll we'll be here and checking in our our player registration opens tomorrow. So we expect a, a few guys. Nothing too crazy, but. Things will really start picking up Sunday afternoon and, and obviously into Monday. So we're, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's here. Uh, we're, we're, we're on right now. <laughs> Absolutely, Jared. I know that Taylor Dahl is having a blast at that player's preview party. Jared Rice, of course, with us on the Fair and Fair phone line. All right, Jared, I know that the course is difficult to begin with, but looking at the weather, it looks like this coming week is going to present quite the challenge. Warm on Thursday, Friday, and then it's going to change a little bit for Saturday, Sunday. What do you think about that? Well, uh, you know, move. We've talked a little bit about this, but the the original design and inspiration of the stadium course was to be played in March. So having that northeast wind, one seventeen eighteen, playing into the wind, uh, spring being generally windier than you know, say our May date. So this is what was expected and why it was designed the way that it was. So uh, you know, don't, don't don't mind that there's some that there's some some wind in the in the forecast um you know the occasional cloud won't be too bad to keep it uh, to keep it nice and cool and you know we'll uh you know we'll, we'll hope for the best and and know that last year was a was a heck of a curveball and uh you know and what we faced for almost you know, two and a half three days so the uh the long range forecast doesn't look like it's going to be anything close to that so uh we just we just want to keep looking for those uh those, those sunshine emojis and and we'll be ready to roll <laughs> Absolutely. Jared, you guys have always done such a great job of, of trying to grow this sport for kids uh, with this unbelievably generous uh, ticket uh, plan from the past. So I, I don't know if you still have it. I apologize if you don't for asking about it, but I know we've talked about it in years past. Uh, if an adult with a ticket goes to the players, can they bring a, a, a child with them for free? Yeah, so it's uh, kids 15 and under are admitted free with uh, with each ticketed adult, and that's up to two. So up to two kids, 15 and under, uh, with each ticketed adult are admitted for free. And um, yeah. you know, I, I think for it, it's a great program. Um, you know, I, I think it's just an opportunity for us to diversify the game and you know, do the right thing. And uh, it's, it's awesome to see, again, just another reason why when you come out here, you see golf fans, you see business getting done, but uh, to see families out here and, and making a tradition about you know around the players championship is uh that's really rewarding to us so uh, to be able to do that's a pretty cool thing and we have great partners at the moors that uh get behind us for doing that so we're uh, we're pretty we're pretty lucky yeah that's unbelievably generous yeah, it's a great it's a great plan it really is jared rice with us the executive director of the players championship it starts next week jared field pretty much set. i know there's a deadline still out there but you pretty much know your field usually by now you know your field correct yeah, so we'll we'll get that out a little after. That'll come out tonight. So definitely check the uh, players' social digital channels. Um, I know where you're probably going. <laughs> and it, it, no, I wasn't. I wasn't going there. No. That's no, one I'm time kidding. I wasn't. 
Yeah. <laughs> that was that. No, but five o'clock. Whomever is eligible, uh, they'll have to make that decision by by five o'clock. And uh, you know, there's been you know, a, lot of, a lot of chatter on the on the uh, on the internet, social media about about Tiger. And uh, yeah. I think for us, when you when you think about you know, the tour as an organization uh, and it, just how how, how we are organized as a member-based um, uh, company. Our field is going to be made up of um, almost 98% of, of exempt players. An exempt, um, in, in plain terms, is men's professional golfers who week in, week out, are competing to play on the PGA Tour. We have uh, the shortest uh, ex- exemption for our past champion of five years. There's no Monday qualifying. There's no sponsor, title sponsor exemptions. So when you look top to bottom, um, it is those that are playing professional golf every week uh, at the highest level are, are in our field, and um, that does a that, that that goes a long way as to why it's the hardest uh, hardest event to win and why we have the most lucrative purse. Jared, for military appreciation, what time should people plan on getting there, and what time do the festivities start? You know, gates open at seven. Come on out, a.m. <laughs> So, um, yeah, Tuesday, coffee's on. Come hang, come hang with me. Well, it'll be blast. <laughs> no, that's uh, Tuesday is <laughs> Tuesday is the first day we're open to the public, and uh, again, great, great practice round. And I think you know for fans that are, are looking for a full day, but of course, you know, a vast majority of our players are expected to be here, uh, practicing a little bit, playing a few holes. So that's always a good time. But you know, about four thirty is when all of that starts. So uh, definitely. Definitely want to get out here before then. Uh, so come out, uh, you know, at least for at least for lunch, watch some practice rounds, and then uh, roll right into the military appreciation day ceremony and, and Riley Green show. It'll be a, it'll be a fun way to start the week. Absolutely, Jared. Who are some players that you feel like have a lot of momentum? Obviously, Bay Hill's going on now, but who are some players that that you think uh, really have a chance to to make a big statement uh, at the players? It, it's it's going to be hard for me to say anything other than the names you know, and I say that because they are just playing unbelievably well, and which is which is awesome for um, for fans and yeah, for um, you know, everyone that's planning to come out or even watch on television. So you know whether it's Scheffler and Rom, Morikawa, JT Spieth, you, you, know, you think about uh, Genesis. And we saw WM and Arnold Palmer. I just don't. I, I just love the fact that uh, they're really galvanizing around these, these fields and you know what the schedule structure uh, means for PGA Tour golf and uh, playing incredibly well. I, I to me uh, don't really see that momentum changing uh, at the home of the PGA Tour and on uh, the stadium course here next week. Jared Rice, Executive Director. Let's uh, do it one more time. We're giving away two tickets to Wednesday's practice round and a $50 gift certificate to Cousins Maine Lobster. One more time, Jared. Give us a good number here. We're giving something away. We're going with number nine because that's my favorite hole on the course, so that's what we're going to (laughs) do. There you go, and it's a fantastic hole. You're exactly right. A beautiful par five. Hard to get there in two, but they will. Uh, Jared Rice checking in. Great work as always. Jared, thanks for all these, man. Can't wait to see you next week. It's going to be a beautiful week. Uh, You've earned that after what you went through last year. Can't wait to see you next week, man. We appreciate it. It's going to be awesome. See you soon. Okay. Jared Rice checking in. Executive Director of the Players' Championship joins us every week leading up to the event. I'm excited, man. I can't wait to get out there next week. I really can't. 
I have been excited about this week for quite some time. And by the way, we didn't get to it with Jared, but general parking is completely sold out for Friday and Saturday. So what that tells me is everybody else in this community is super excited about the tournament as well. Yeah, carpool, ride share, traffic is what it is, and uh, battle it as best you can, but to have a plan, right? It have a plan, and, and from a golf standpoint, no lead is ever safe at the stadium course because of the finishing holes, but this weather. I know. Uh, and it's, it's going to be nice. I don't think there's much chance of rain or anything. It but looks the, like Sunday maybe a little bit of rain now. But the wind right. on Saturday and Sunday looks like it Correct. could be extreme. And uh, what a test it's going to be of these players' nerves when they're at the top of that leaderboard or yep. chasing uh, to make the kind of shots they're going to have to make and judge the wind. Uh, on obviously 17, but also that tee shot on 18. So uh, the theater should just be spectacular. And nothing, there's nothing like a Sunday at that place when that wind's blowing. It is absolutely spectacular. I, I know the back nine of the Masters is, is what golf's all about, but I'll tell you this, Sunday afternoon at the players when that wind's blowing, it is pretty spectacular. It is. And, and look, I mean, we have the most iconic hole in golf. There's, there's no question about it. And so if you've never been to the players, make sure you go check out 17, but obviously lots of other places to watch golf. Your favorite hole is 11-12, right? That's where I like to sit. That's where I like to sit. I don't, I'm probably my favorite hole. I never thought about favorite hole. But my favorite place to watch is on the left side of 12, on the 11 side, not the 13 side of 12. I just love sitting there watching. Favorite hole, it's a great question. Um, without saying the obvious, I think the hardest hole is 14. I know they say 18 plays the hardest, but I think is a is a is a hack golfer, a 10 handicap golfer. I think I think 14 is just incredibly hard. I think it's incredible. And watching those guys navigate it is fun for those of us to play a lot of golf. You know, I think it is. So I think, yeah, favorite hole, favorite hole. If I can't, we don't want to say 17. That, that can't be that can't be your answer. Um, yeah, probably 12. Because they could they go for it? Do they not? Does it run down that slope? That I low. like sixteen a lot. The sixteen's a great hole. Sixteen's a great hole. Sixteen's a and you can kind of overlook seventeen too, but you don't have to be in sixteen's the, a great the craziness hole. on the hill. Sixteen's a great hole. Sixteen's a great hole. No question about this. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, there's a military job fair at the players. Uh, the the players is so involved in the military and contributing to those who defend our country. Our friend uh, Brigadier General Mike Fleming joins us in a bit to talk all about that. It's going on tomorrow. This is ten ten XL and ninety two point five FM. Welcome back. The uh, Players' Championship is next week. Good to have Jared Rice on. We thank him for stopping by. It's also an important day tomorrow. Our friend Mike Fleming joins us, Brigadier General Mike Fleming, who's so involved in continuing to help uh, the military. How are you? Good to see Doing you. Doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Always great to have you on. Uh, Mike works obviously with, with Firewatch and with the Cohen Clinic and so many uh, cool initiatives. But tomorrow's a very cool initiative as well. Tell us about the job fair for the military because I think it's one of the neatest things you do. Yeah, it is. It's, it's great. Uh, a little over 10 years ago, we started something called the Jacksonville Military Veterans Coalition because what we wanted to do is have a coalition that would try to attract veterans to Jacksonville. And the challenge for veterans is not having enough places to go. When you, If you Google veterans and jobs, you get a billion hits. We didn't have anything that was specifically for Jacksonville. And so we created the Jacksonville Military Veterans Coalition. We have over 500 companies who are committing to hire veterans and military families. And so we work very closely with the city of Jacksonville. And then we want to do something uh, with the uh, TPC. And Matt Rapp at the time was the uh, director of the TPC of the tournament. Kathy Hurlburt, who you know very well. Yeah. And we had this crazy idea. Matt and I had lunch out at the players. And I said, can you support us? He said, that'd be great. So we were the first 
city to have the uh, job fair associated with the uh, PGA event. So it's every Saturday. It's kind of the kickoff for all of the uh, festivities is the job fair uh, tomorrow out of what's called the Patriot Post, which yeah. is by the 16th tee. Mike, how do veterans uh, get there? What do they need to bring? They need to just bring themselves. There's no registration. We normally have between two and 300 veterans at least go through. Wow. And so it's tremendous. And what we want them to do, Hayes, is to bring their resume, uh, business casual. that No one expects you to be in a suit because you, uh, you'll, you'll park in the parking lot and they'll take you by cart to the uh, to the Patriots outpost for that. But really feel like we got uh, 30 companies. We always have turned companies away. Wow. We're very close with the, uh, the TPC and the great folks out there, and they do tremendous work for us. 30 companies, wow. That's great. Is, is there a way to find that list of companies for the veterans? We don't have it on there, but uh, I'll just give you some of the examples because I okay. printed it off. And, right. uh, Perfect. Uh, I'll just start with me. you got Amazon, uh, which is hiring a ton of veterans uh, at all different levels. That's not great. Ju- not just entry levels. Uh, Boeing is out there. Boeing out at Cecil Field is exploding. They're almost doubling in size, and uh, almost 70% of their employee base is uh, actually veterans. Wow. And so do that. Uh, City of Jacksonville's out there. Clay County's out there. Uh, CSX is out there, which is a big supporter. And then you've got some law enforcement. You've got uh, Jacksonville Fire and Rescue, the Sheriff's Office. Uh, you've got some of the universities out, out there. So it's really, it's all the way from looking for senior managers to entry-level positions and everything. We welcome anybody who's been in the military and also military families. And so, so and we've all been to job fairs. But so if, if I'm a, a member of the military right now, past or present, I'm hearing this. I think, okay, well, what do I do? So the first thing I do is I go park in general parking, exactly. which is near 17, which, right? No, it's on. They actually park by the clubhouse. Uh, oh, you. For tomorrow, it's oh, different. All right. So you go through the main gates, and you'll be directed there, park okay. in that one uh, area near the clubhouse. They'll have some graciously have volunteers. We'll take you in a golf cart to the uh, to the Patriots outpost. What time does it start? It starts at 11. We actually have it running it later because of the river run, because we had some, uh, ah. a lot of veterans like running the river run, and so uh, that way we start it later so you can come there. So if you listen right now, at 11 o'clock at the stadium course, you go to the main entrance, not, not, the, not the general population, which is over by 17. Correct. You actually go to the main entrance, which is off, off uh, to the main track. Okay, I'm glad you said that. And then, because I would have thought the other. And then there will be people in golf carts. Right, pick you up. Pick you up and take you out to it, and then it's just a job fair, right? You exactly. go, You go company to company. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and I'd also talk about the fact that we have, a, obviously, a big uh, Navy population, a lot of active duty members. And, you know, if, they're, if, if you're planning to get out in the next year, now's the time to start planning because the further out you can uh, do your, plan your transition, uh, the better you're going to be. Because even if you're not ready for a job tomorrow, you can start making plans. And also there's a part of this is just understanding the, the transition from the military to civilian life and going to a job fair. You get to interact with a lot of people and really get some good experience. If you're looking for where to park and you go, our, our mutual friend Bill Hickey tells me it's lot six. Okay, that's so right. So lot six if, you don't, if, you're, if you're going to the tournament. So, so there you go. That's yeah. a great point about networking and how yep. important that is. Um, and, and for how, how late can – veterans get out there what what is it one until, until two o'clock until two Ele- okay. 11 to two yeah it, i mean every job that i've had since i retired from the military not one of them did i actually really apply for the job it's because i knew someone who had an idea maybe i was a, a good fit for something and so that's uh really something that uh, a lot of a lot of great uh you know patriots that they've gone out of high school 
and maybe they worked at you know somewhere in high school but really have never been through the process and it's really good to get out there to learn the process about how to apply for a job, uh, job skills and things. And, and basically, just like anything, you get better with experience. And it's a reminder how great the players is to our community. Obviously, Absolutely. we know with walk-off charities how good they've been to that. But also the military. The Patriots Outpost is fantastic. Uh, I know my, my yeah. dad makes sure to go there every year. Yeah, the Patriots Outpost is great. If you're a veteran and a military family member, you get all the food basically you want mm -hmm. uh, soft drinks and when it's hot it's a nice place to go and, yes. and watch the tournament but and it's right there at the 16th tee and it's just phenomenal what they do and like i said we were the first one to to do this as a city and i think it's really uh, reflective of what we do as a city as far as supporting the military in this case matt and kathy would say absolutely come on and really they do all the work i take all the credit so it works out <laughs> well. uh brigadier general mike fleming great friend of the program is with us let me let me ask you go a little deeper here, because um, I like to do that with you because you have you have such a good perspective on on everything veterans go through. We've talked about some of the real challenges with veterans, which is why Firewatch was started. What about finding employment? It, where does that rank in the difficulties? Does that make the question make sense? No, where, where, where does that? How hard is that for for veterans? Absolutely. The the biggest challenge I think Frank is is really education on both sides because when a military member goes out and is uh, looking for a job. Quite often, they limit themselves okay. on what they think they can do because they say, I did this job in the military, therefore I'm trying to get something exactly like that. And, and I've been fortunate uh, when I retired, none of the jobs were directly related. I was a managing director with Deutsche Bank, uh, which they wanted me more for my leadership than my financial skills. Of course, got to work for Tim Koss as a senior vice president at Jacksonville University. And now Cohen Network, obviously, it's more oriented toward the veterans yeah. uh, aspect of it. But I tell veterans, don't limit yourself on what you can do because read a resume and say, could I do that? And then also from the, from the employment side, from the actual companies, is to them to have a, a wider look at what a veteran. In other words, every job has a job description. But could you substitute military experience for that? Could you, could you substitute leadership? Because anybody with any, any rank in the military has had all kind of leadership. They're responsible for people. They're responsible for equipment. They're responsible for a budget, which is something every company needs. So it's trying to get the veterans to look wider than, hey, what I've done in the past, and get the employers to look at it different, a little wider to say, could I substitute this great military experience maybe for something that uh, I would normally have in the job description? If you had to deal, I see you, people that are trying so hard to help veterans like you do, had to deal with unemployment, veteran unemployment, is that out there? It's out there, absolutely. Uh, and. Part of it is understanding exactly when you get out of the military, I'm talking about specifically active yeah. duty. Uh, when I've given talks and things, I tell people, look, you've got to decide a couple things. Number one is making money the most important thing to you. If it is, that's fine, you, but you may have to live yeah. anywhere in the United States. Is where you live. Do you want to stay in Jacksonville or wherever you are? If that's most important, you may have to adapt it. Is it, do you want, is it being working only nine to five? that's it, then you're going to limit what you can do. None of those are wrong or right, but you just have to say, what is my priority as you. an individual? And it, may, it probably depends on your age, your family situation, and all that. And so I think that allows a veteran really to focus in and not be frustrated that, hey, I only work, on, work in this one city, and I'm limited. Yes, but you get to live in that city. But if you're willing to go anywhere in the United States, I mean, you could you know, probably make a lot of money with that so it's really figuring out what your priorities are you know Hayes, I, th I think and i hear mike talk about this stuff and i remember thinking this last year if i'm hiring 
right more than I don't know that anything matters more than work ethic and discipline. I got to believe someone from the military, that's a great head start. You know? Absolutely. And, and it's a great message because we tend to sell skills, our own skill set short. Right. It's hard for us to you know, imagine what other people may view in terms of, wow, you can do this and you can do that. And it's like, oh, yeah, I never really thought right. about that. But particularly being in uh, the military, being a veteran, you're going to have an array of skill sets that – you, you may not even understand how, for somebody else, that could be outstanding and exactly what they're looking for. I think that's a great message. Can you, uh, Mike, please remind us about the Firewatch and, and, and the importance of that? Yep, the Firewatch is the uh, Northeast Florida's, now Florida's commitment to end veteran suicide. And since I've, I've seen you, I think the last time I came on was probably around Veterans Day, and we had less than 3,000 watchstanders. The watchstander program is a program, it's about uh, 30 to 45 minutes and it takes you through and it teaches you about the challenge of veteran suicide and how you can be supportive of the veterans in your life. And we had uh, around 2,800. We have almost a little less than 4,000. So we've, we've exploded, and we have now uh, a full-time person in the Tampa area and one down in West Palm Beach uh, because the Florida Department of Veterans Affairs, General Hartzell, uh, said we want the whole state to start doing this. So we've expanded it to two other counties to try to move forward. So we have that. So we're trying to get it all the way across Florida because we really feel like, as we talked before, it's engaged the 90%. Less than 10% of the population has been in the military. So nine out of the 10 people I interact with are not veterans, but they're my friends and they can have a huge impact on me if they look and say, hey, Mike, you're not right today or something's wrong. Same way we want any friend to work with another friend. Don't let the fact that your friend's a veteran has military experience stop you from being standing watch for them if they need your help. If there are any veterans listening, let's remind them. Tomorrow the job fair, 11 to 2 at the players. Just bring a resume, right. bring their military ID as well? No, don't need a military okay. ID. Uh, you could pretty much tell if someone's been in the military. Or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and shame on you if you go out there and lie about that. <laughs> right. God dang, you know. You're probably not going to get hired. Right, right, right. right. My guess. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, uh, um, uh, and I, and it's the number that frightens me, and I hate reading out, but I think it's one that I, every time you're here, I think we have to. Military veteran suicide is real. Uh, the last numbers you gave us were there's an average of 22 veteran suicides a day in our country. I, I, I always say that number when you're here because I don't know that people understand it until they hear that number, Mike. Right. And it's a, it's a, it's a terrifying number, but it's real, isn't it? Absolutely. And those are 22 individuals. And we can argue, is it 18, is it seven? It doesn't yeah. matter. Right. But what we want to do is have the community surround these veterans and know that they're, uh, you know, their friends are there for them, that they're supported. And we want to make people be bold and say, hey, Mike, hey, veteran friend, you're not right. How can I help you? And then also, because we have the resource listing, is to get them to the resource like the, like the Cohen Clinic here in town and across you know, and the VA. A lot of great ways that you can get help. But it's the one-on-one -on -one piece, Frank, we're going after is that you can be a friend, you can stand watch for your veteran friend. Yeah, they, and they are the people that, uh, that present uh, and, and are the reason for our freedom. Don't ever lose sight of that. Uh, tomorrow, job fair, 11 to 2 at the stadium course. Go out there, go to the main entrance of the course. They'll take you out there on a golf cart, and you'll have a chance to get uh, employment. Mike, I think it's great that you do that. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Great to see you. More in a moment. This is 1010XL 92.5. 
Hey guys, Taylor Dahl here again live at TPC Sawgrass for the 2023 Players Championship Preview Party. Let me tell you, the greens are looking green. The wind is blowing, so if you do hear that, that's the background. But obviously the Players' Championship every year does a fantastic job of keeping things new and exciting. And this year, along with some of the return food vendors like Taco Lou, Cousins Maine Lobster, V's Pizza, there's a couple new additions. Uh, Homespun Kitchen and the Goat Tavern, plus all of your favorite beverages if you are out here to have some adult courage and wine and dine on nine with Miomi Wine and the Oasis Tito Stillhouse Lounge. Remember, you can use the new Players Championship app to easily find any food or drink vendor you want with an in-app GPS to take you straight to the location. For example, just say wine and dine on nine or tacos on 12 and it will take you straight to the location you are looking for. Visit theplayers.com for more. Always a big chief tire Friday here on the Franny Show. Frank, three massive stories going on in college yep. football right now. You've got the rules being proposed. You've got the athletic reporting that the Big 12 has been in recent contact with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. And then you've also got Sports Illustrated predicting, after talking to Nick Saban, the three permanent opponents for each SEC football team. Yeah, what I can't, let's start with that. What I can't get my head around is, is this a, is this happening? Is that the is this going to be the three? Or are they guessing? Ross Dellinger is the one writing it, right? And uh, he yes, he well he's the one who reported about Nick Saban. He's right. the one I think yeah who talked to Nick Saban, and so they are predicting it. I think they're predicting Sportsnet yeah. is predicting it based off of talking to people yeah. in the know. And Ross says from speaking to league insiders, this is our best educated guess of the three p permanent opponents. The belief is the SEC is going to go to a nine-game model. So you're going to play nine conference games of your 12 games. Three of those will be teams you play every year, and then the other six will rotate. And that gets you on every gets, gets every four-year kid on every campus, and that's the idea. So having said that, he's got the three teams he thinks everybody will play every year. If that is correct, they botched it with Florida. They've got Florida playing Georgia, South Carolina, and Oklahoma. Um, and look, I know you can't make everybody happy, and you got to make the whole matrix fit. I get it, but any, 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 any plan that doesn't have Florida and Tennessee playing every year is a, is disastrously wrong. It's not about who wins or who loses or how hard it is or any setup that doesn't have Florida playing Tennessee every year. You were getting it wrong. And, yes, I know they barely played until 1990. I know that. They played twice a decade until 1990. I get it. I was there. I watched. But that, that was a long time ago. I can't fathom a world where Florida and Tennessee sometime in September aren't getting together. It's, it's massively disappointing. Uh, I think Oklahoma having to play Florida, uh, to me, that's I get the logos. Uh, it, it's it's a just putrid decision, and and I think it favors Florida. So this is not coming from a, uh, any sort of bias. I, I think I think Oklahoma is going to struggle in the SEC. Uh, I, I, honestly, I think over the next eight years, Florida will probably beat Oklahoma more than they'll beat Tennessee. Uh, so this is not from a right. any sort of competitive thing, but that's part of the fabric of your conference. I mean, that rivalry carried you for a decade in that conference. And we're not talking about the 1940s. We're talking about the 1990s. I, and, and with Tennessee coming back, and, and Florida will eventually come back. It's just a question of will it be with Billy Napier or some other future coach. 
I, I thought it was a massive mistake. Florida always, for some reason, becomes the, the program that just has to bite the bullet. You know, they were the first one to have to go open at Texas A&M, something that Georgia still has yet to do. Uh, and that was in 2012 that Florida went and beat the Aggies in their SEC debut. That was just one game. But Florida's played there three times. Georgia never has. I mean, it's just it, it's, it's, it's absurd. I would have also liked to have seen the SEC rectify the mistake they made in 1992 and make Auburn a Florida permanent opponent. And, and that rivalry is red hot. Right. I mean, I'd love red to, hot when, yeah. it's, when it's going. Yeah, I'd love to see Florida-Auburn. I'd love it. But you can't not have Florida-Tennessee. I agree. That, that, it, it should be yeah. Georgia-Tennessee and Auburn. And I actually would go, and you all may totally disagree, I would go Georgia-Tennessee-LSU. Because I think those are the three teams that Florida has. I can live not with that. Not bad blood, but rivalry. Wins. Well, they've still been playing every year. I, I, yeah. I can live with that. But I, but I can live with either of those. Georgia obviously is going to be on there. I can't imagine Tennessee's not. Here's one thing that irks me. Texas has three legit, 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 legit rivals in the SEC when they come in. Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. And they get to play them all. I mean, I mean that, those are legit rivalries now. I mean, they are, they are from Absolutely. the old Southwest. And they get to play all of them. So Florida's got at least two truly legit rivalries in Georgia and Tennessee. And only play, I, 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 so if it plays out like this, they're getting it wrong. I'm looking at some of the other teams. Alabama, Saban was upset about the fact that they play Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. Well, he's talking about competitive balance. Well, screw that. Those are the three they should play. I mean, Alabama and Auburn have to play. Alabama and Tennessee played that third Saturday in, in October forever. And you, you can't not have Alabama and LSU. So – I would say whether Saban likes it or not, those are the right three for Alabama. I, I agree. And Georgia got Kentucky, Florida, Florida, and Auburn. And Auburn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it, to Two me, of those three are right. Yeah. And, and I understand, by the way, if you if you give us all the rivalries we want, right. the math isn't going to work. I, yeah. I I know that. I I, I get that. I, I I just to me it's. I would have had, I don't care, if, if Vanderbilt, Missouri, and Kentucky, and Mississippi State, and Ole Miss all play each other, I don't care. Yeah. They're never going to win the league anyway. So it's, it's fine if they've got an easier, you know, permanent schedule because uh, that'll get caught up in the non-permanent games. I, I just don't like it. I, I you know, again, I, Oklahoma's a great program. I, at Florida, Oklahoma is certainly going to be eye-catching. But it's just, and and you know, maybe in 15 years that'll be a great rivalry, but I just don't like the fact that Florida already you already have great rivalries that uh, you know that you're letting go by the wayside. And I guess Florida Auburn's just dead. I mean that's that's really sad. I think Florida Auburn when I was a kid yeah, was just a shade under the Florida Georgia game in terms of hatred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and uh, 100% agree. And, you know, I, and I think it, and, and Auburn's the closest SEC campus to Gainesville. Right. So the closest school, you never play. You've never played them basically since 92, and you're never going to play them now in this configuration. I, I, just, I just don't like it. Yeah, and I think it's still going to be so hard to eventually get used to not having divisions and everything drastically changing. I would have liked for them to keep that. Uh, me too. We, we, yeah, but if we're the only two like in the world. Really? Because most people didn't want because they wanted balance and staying all the campuses. I, I'm like you. I would have kept the vision, but nobody else wanted to. All right. When it comes to rules, the NCAA Football Rules Committee officially recommended the adoption of three rule changes, which will now need to be approved by the Playing Rules Oversight Panel in April. 
A running clock after first downs, like the NFL, except for the last two minutes of each half, banning the use of consecutive timeouts by a team and carrying over a foul to the second or fourth quarter rather than playing an untimed down. The last two I'm fine with. There shouldn't be an untimed down. And I get and I get sick of the, the ice to kicker timeouts anyway, so they're fine. I'm going to have to get – it's going to be hard for me. I'm going to have to get used to um, – the clock not stopping on a first down. I have watched, by the way, Doug Peterson's on with the NFL Network boys right now, as we speak. The, uh, I'm going to have to get you to really get used to no, the clock doesn't stop after a first down except in the last two minutes. So I, I, and I know it only stops for a brief second, and then they, then they wind it again. And it probably makes sense. I'm not saying they're getting it wrong, Hayes. I am going to say because of how long I've watched college football, the clock not stopping on a first down is something I've really got to get used to. And I, and I know the critical parts of the game it's going to. It's just something I've got to get used to. Uh, this goes back to the I didn't think they had to speed up the game necessarily. And if you were going to do it, just cut five minutes out of your halftime, which is ridiculously too long in college football. But if you were going to keep halftime intact and you're determined to shorten the game, this is the best way to do it. The other two things – happens so infrequently that a defensive penalty happens to end a quarter or end mm-hmm. a half that that's something in a course of a regular season you might have happen one time you know uh, and then uh, and then the the, the the consecutive timeouts is good uh, I don't think you see that that often either but obviously the first downs is going to have a monumental right. effect on the speed of the game I like it I like the fact you know the NFL game I think uh, I, I'm used to it from that so you know, I'm fine with it, uh, but if I was running college football, my suggestion would have been take these three-day-long times <laughs> and make them one day long. Uh, it doesn't have to be as quick as the NFL. The NFL has an incredibly fast halftime. It doesn't have to be 12 minutes, but can we take it from 25 to 30 in college to more like 18, 18 to 20? That's plenty of time for the band to get out there and, and – have their performance, uh, and, and have time for the players to come back out, warm up, and be ready for the second half. The commercials during halftime must be incredibly valuable because otherwise that does make the most sense. But at the same time, when I, when I look at it from 10,000 feet, anytime college football makes a change to make it more like the NFL, it's probably a good thing. I agree, and I don't disagree with that. I, baseball needed to speed up. We all agree, and it's so much better. Gibby, we talked about it. We've all talked about it. Hayes, you watched it. Uh, Lorna, you, you've watched some games here and there, mm-hmm. uh, exhibition games or, or spring training games. It is so much better. Yep. It is so, so much better. Um, I don't think college football needed to speed up that much. I just don't. I, I thought I, it, did, it didn't. Long games don't bother me. People don't like don't watch it. I, we're, I we're, we're, sorry, we're 50 years away from every sporting event taking 30 minutes. Yeah, does it feel like that? It does. I, I hear you. It does feel like that. I don't know that fans were necessarily complaining about college football games being long. Yeah. I think it's the TV networks that want to be able to show four college football games on a right. Saturday versus three. That's what I think it ends up being. As far as the athletic report, what did you think, Frank? The Big 12 has been in recent contact with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Well, those are the four names you heard all along because they, they geographically they fit the, the Big 12. Uh, going out of the region has never stopped the Big 12 before, which is why West Virginia and UCF are in the league. But geographically, they make sense. Listen, somebody's going to die. 
And, and, and if it winds up being the Pac-12, it's the Pac-12. Someone's, don't you, someone's going to die. There's Absolutely. Gonna, there's going to be four. It's like a scream movie. Yeah, yeah. There, <laughs> it is. It's, there's going to be four. Yeah. There's going to be four left standing. So who's going to die? And it looks, <laughs> it looks like it's, uh, it's the, the Pac-12. But I do think that. I really do. I think that ultimately the Pac-12 is going I think away. it's the Pac-12. Yeah. Once you lost the University of Southern California, with all due respect to UCLA, big whoop, but when you lost USC, that was it. That that was. I mean that that that's. I mean that's. Listen, let me put this in perspective. That's the SEC losing Alabama. That's the Big Ten losing Ohio State. That you can't lose that team. And you, and at least the SEC has more than one Alabama, and the Big Ten at least has Michigan. The Pac-12. The Pac-12 had one team. Yeah, I don't even think you can equate it to the ACC. Yeah. Like, I would say Florida State would be the team you absolutely can't lose if you're the ACC. But you could make an argument yeah. for Clemson. Right. Sure. You can't make an argument in the Pac-12. No. It's USC right. and then a stratospheric drop-off to the next school, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But I would have thought that the Big 12 would have dissipated after losing Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah me too. Me too. So I'll give them credit, though. They've been aggressive. Mm-hmm. They've, been, they've, they've been more the aggressor. And, and, I, and I, I would have thought that, too. But they've, you know, crazy as it sounds, going and latching on to UCF and Cincinnati and making sure you kept teams coming in probably helped them. I mean, I, it probably did. And, I, uh, again, it's not done yet, by the way. But it would not surprise me because if those four go, then I do think you're going to see Washington and Oregon to the Big Ten sped up, don't you think? Yes. I think that would get accelerated. So then all of a sudden you just lost six of your ten. Well, then you are dead. Then you're playing in some league with San Jose State, which you're doing. Right. Spartans are a tough out, though. <laughs> they are a tough out. Do we have a roundtable coming up next? We do. We'll take a break. When we come back, if you, did, if you didn't hear yesterday, we had a roundtable of Mike Keith, Mark Vandermeer, Matt Taylor, and myself, the four play-by-play voices of the AFC South. We did it for about an hour. Okay, and it's out there. You can hear it. Uh, you can see it on our social channels, the audio part of it. Some of the others were, had some of the video because they, they actually had it in hand. Um, so, but, but you can see it out there. But you have a good chance to hear it um, the, in its entirety. We played about half of it for you yesterday. But I got so many good comments about it. People like to hear what the play-by-play guys from all over the league are talking about, So we're, at least all over the division. So when we come back, you'll hear some thoughts uh, that I had along with Mike Keith, Mark Vandermeer, and Matt Taylor. That's next when the show continues on 1010XL. And 92.5 FM. Hey guys, Taylor Dahl here live at TPC Sawgrass for the Players' Championship preview party. Uh, If you've been listening this afternoon, you've obviously already heard all of the details on the new food you can check out this year at the Players' Championship, the drinks you can consume at the Players' Championship this year, in addition to the new app. This new app, super cool, uh, has an in-app GPS to where you can put in whatever you want, whether you're looking for a certain golfer, whether you're looking for a certain hole, whether you want a particular food like tacos on 12, all you have to do is enter that in and it'll take you straight over to the location you're looking for. But also remember this weekend, the kickoff for the week starts. So the merch store is open. The pro shop swing by and get first tips on all the TPC merch for this season. But for any more information, check out any of our social media channels. So head over to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram for 1010XL. And we will keep you updated on all the newest information for Players Championship this year. Just got back from the, uh, the NFL scouting combine, as you know, for the first time this year. 
we got together. I got together with uh, the other three play-by-play voices in the division. Once again, Matt Taylor from the Colts, Mark Vandermeer from the Texans, Mike Keith from the Titans. Uh, we're all good buddies. We talk a lot during the season uh, and not during the season. And we said, what if we did a roundtable and all just talked about our teams and our history and whatnot? And we played about half of that yesterday, and it was very well received. So here's the second half of our roundtable, uh, AFC South play-by-play voices. I want to ask you, Matt Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts, Colts have the fourth pick. Do they pick a guy at number four and then he's the starter? Or do they pick a guy at number four to be the quarterback and sign somebody to carry the water between the yeah, t- like until he's ready, yeah. so to speak? Being what you've been through with the bridges the last few years. Right. You've had some serious bridges. Yeah, there's been some bridges. Yeah, there have been some names. <laughs> and if you'd gotten them five years earlier, that would have been bad for the rest of us. Sure. But do they fully turn the page and say, um, this is your show? Yeah, I think so. I think this is the time, like you said. I mean, there's been – you know, five different quarterbacks in the last five years. Uh, as I was saying to Frank yesterday, it's been seven consecutive seasons where the Colts have a starting quarterback week one. And, and so it, I do think it's time. Now the question is, is how bold do they need to be, right? Do they need to go from four to one to get the guy and, you know, prevent the Texans from getting the guy they really like, knowing there's a shot they could pick him at two where the Colts are sitting at four. So I think it's really fascinating right now. I mean, offensively, it just, it's time. You know, I may mean, think, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is going into year number three. Jonathan Taylor is going into year number four. And this offensive line is starting to age a little bit. I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith are going into year number six. Wow. Right? So, I mean, the and Ryan Kelly has been in the league since 2016. So, you've got this window of opportunity right now with some of your key playmakers on offense. And the missing piece certainly has been quarterback the last couple of years. Um, I, I think it all just kind of boils down to their evaluation of it. it. I think whether or not they stay at four depends on how how big is the gap between just hypothetically Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Or if it's pretty even, do they feel comfortable sitting at four with the odds of them being able to pick at least one of those guys being pretty good and being happy with the traits that they're going to get with whoever they do get in that position. So I do really think it's fascinating how they could they could play this. I mean, certainly Chris Ballard has been a, a general manager, generally speaking, that wants to move way back in stockpile picks and get more shots at the dartboard and continue to grow but and develop that and do all that. But where the owner comes in right, right now, where he just says, listen, Chris, right. I, I love your – your strategy right but we're picking our quarterback here let's go right and you know chris is uh, listen chris has been here since 2017 and no no uh, afc south championships and not a lot of playoff uh wins to speak of so i mean everybody kind of understands what that means as well so you know is this the time to be bold and let's make sure we get it right and, and make sure we get franchise stability which we have been in search of really since August 24th of 2019. Right. You all understand yeah. what I'm saying yeah. with that date. It's really been the the team and the franchise dealing with those ramifications since then. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to do uh, go go big at quarterback, to, but to what degree I think is the biggest question in this offseason here. Yeah, I, I and for me, my thought is I still think there's heritage with the Colts. There's heritage with all, all, mm-hmm. all, all these teams. Especially the Colts. I, I, but yeah, there's heritage with the Colts. I, I get the sense when you get it right, 
you're going to really get it right. And, yeah. and, I, and I understand the frustration, so I believe that. I'm wondering if you guys have heard, we're talking about quarterbacks with Indianapolis. I'm hearing a lot of buzz around here that the Will Levis thing is going up. Mm. That people are meeting with him, that they are excited about his size, that he's mm. pro ready, that he's a very grown up guy, and of course everybody's the, who's the next Josh Allen? Throw that out the window. What somebody said to me last night, which I thought was interesting, is Will Levis the next Matt Ryan? In that at Boston College, the knock on him was he threw way too many interceptions. Right. But the Falcons obviously saw he played with nobody. Right. In terms of skill, people is Will Levis the next Matt Ryan? And let's face it, I mean Matt Ryan didn't do as much for for the Colts as you would have wanted him to. But right. that's a guy who had a great career. I mean, if you can have 13 years of what he gave the Falcons, oh yeah, I think yeah. any of us would take that and in a heartbeat. Absolutely, you, yeah, because you build around him, sure. you build around yeah. that quarterback. But with Levis, I think with all the quarterbacks, it looks like, and this is just from where we sit right now, it looks like Bryce Young is the one guy that you could probably start opening day as far as his right. knowledge base, the way he carries himself, the way he leads, and maybe Stroud too. But maybe they all could, or maybe none of them could, right? right? And obviously there are knocks on Young with the size and whatever that's going to mean overall Mm -hmm. eventually. It's such an inexact thing. Since Trevor Lawrence, we haven't had that number one overall pick who everyone feels really great about. Because he has everything. This this is your guy. Yeah, because he has everything. And look, not that it's taken a long time, but people lose patience quickly. You know, a year and a half in, it's like, is this going to work or not? Then the last half season, my gosh, it took off. I'll tell you, to your, excuse me, Matt. You're good. To your question about uh, Levis, I don't love Levis. He's big well, and strong. Well, that's your SEC thing. And maybe Because all, all my SEC guys, don't I was, think, uh, they're, they're yeah. on me. When, when I told a friend of mine who yeah. covers the SEC this last night, because I knew it would set him off, yeah. he's like, well, Levis, did you see that guy play? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Jesus Levis, you know, they're doing all this (laughs) hate talking. I'm like, but remember, you're talking about translating. And he certainly looked better in 2021 when he had that O-line. Right. And and Rodriguez played well and and he had receivers. You're right. We we know the book on all the guys. Um, Richardson and Levis have the traits but didn't play great. Bryce Young is fantastic on everything, but he's tiny. And C.J. Stroud had all the great receivers. We, we know the rep, the knock on all of them. Right. Right. I'll tell you this, and where I was going with this, Mike, I, I did I, – we had an off week, so I did Ohio State-Maryland, so I got to see C.J. Stroud. It seems like no one's talking about him. They're right. talking about how little Bryce Young is. He's great but little. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the traits with Richardson and Levis, but they didn't play great. It's almost like you get in a conversation about the quarterback. C.J. Stroud's the last guy to come up. I know. And, uh, no, no, yeah. no matter who you talk to, he's the last of the four – Man, I think he's really good. Yeah, I, really I, good. I mean, real. Watch yeah. that Georgia game. Yeah, well, oh, that's the one. And, and that's I, the one. Yeah, and I and I'm thinking, people aren't. Maybe it's because of the, all the great receivers and they're better than everyone covering them. Maybe it's because of the the failures of past Ohio State quarterbacks. I think he's really good, and he's accurate. Really. And, yeah. oh. and, you know, Chris Ballard talked yesterday at the combine. You know, during his his press conference, and you know, who knows. This might be GM speak. Yeah. It, it probably is, but I'm not. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm not so sure if you need to go from four to one to get a difference maker to to get a franchise Fair. quarterback, right? Maybe maybe yeah, you do. Right. Make you know take the risk of sitting at four and getting the guy that can transform your franchise. But it, listen, it's it's fascinating because there are. I don't think there's the Andrew Luck. I don't think there's the Trevor Lawrence in this draft class. They all come with a little bit of, of hitches and, and things like that. But we'll, we'll see how this all goes with the Colts. I think they're two next year, too. 
in Caleb Williams and, and Drake May. I right. think there are two of them next year that could be Trevor Lawrence types. Yeah. And you wonder, will there be some people who look like they could take one, like Las Vegas or Carolina, who say, you know what? We'll sit back and, right. and see what. But happens. the problem with that is you can't guarantee a bad season. You can't guarantee. And yeah. if, a you bad start, if you start doing that, you're you're unemployed. That's right. you're, it, you're out. It, it's awful because you can't have the. We we get a lot of grief for beating the Colts in the regular season finale, and I'm thinking, what do you want the coaches and right. players to do? Right. right. And then right. you know Johnny Harris and I do a lot of shows together, Texans Radio, and he keeps talking about next year. But I say. Last year, you were talking about this year with right, Bryce yeah. Young and C.J. Right. Stroud. So how long do I have to wait? For eternity? Just when you happen right. to have the number one overall pick? through another four-win season? You don't, you don't want to do that. It's still a business. It's a competitive business. You've got to win games. You don't want to keep firing coaches. And I think you've got to find your guy. And I think D'Amico has the, uh, D'Amico Ryan's has the proper attitude here, which is, look, I just came from San Francisco where we were down to zero quarterbacks, okay? We were playing Mr. Irrelevant, and he played pretty well. And in 2011, the Texans had T.J. Yates playing, rookie, third quarterback in, uh, came into the game at Jacksonville and did pretty well, and they actually won their first-ever playoff game with him. And look, no one wants that situation. You never know how it all plays out. Look at Jalen Hurts going to the Super Bowl doing what he did, and he's not a first-round guy. There are so many different ways to get this done, and I think that's where the imagination comes in, coaching all of it, because – we all agree it's chemistry. It's a situation that they have to be in and around. they got to show those traits, and then they have to flourish. I, I always think with the draft, no matter what the position, the hardest thing to identify, and I love asking coaches and GMs about this, is how do you tell if a guy wants to get better and will put in the work to get better? And I think that goes for anything in life, you know, salespeople, whatever the profession is, how do you tell whether a guy is going to get better? Because they all got to get better. Whoever you are, Trevor Lawrence had to get better, and he's doing it now. You have to improve. And that's the trait that the Colts want more than anything, right? Mm -hmm. If they're going to draft a quarterback at one or four or whatever, you know, not knowing uh, the future of Bryce Young and if C.J. Stroud is going to be able to make off-schedule throws or if Will Levis is going to be able to have the mobility, so on and so forth, they want the guy that is obsessed with football, that gets better, that makes everybody in the huddle better. That's the trait they want the best, and that's why I think, or the most, I should say, but that's that's why the combine for the Colts is so important to have these 15-minute conversations, to have the top 30 visits later, go to the pro days, see how the guys look and interact with teammates on the field. That's the trait they want the most, and, and what they covet the most is just be a good guy, obsessed with football, leader of men. We know we can work with everything else and get better along the way, but you have to be just obsessed with this game and turning the Colts around. Those are the comments. Matt Taylor most recently before that, uh, Mike Keith and Mark Vanderbilt. I really enjoyed that, uh, and I heard more good comments about that. Those guys know what they're talking about. Sure. That, that it, it, I mean, they really do, and they know their teams, and they know the league, and they know the draft. And it was a uh, – it, it was, a, and, I th- and I told the three of them, we'll probably do that some more, whether it's during the season, off season. I think it's fun to get together with other guys that really know the league and know their, and really know the division. Yes, yeah, certainly. And, and for people who thought, wow, they went an, an entire hour. When I talked to those guys, they said after it, they said, we could have gone for two more hours. It could have been a three-hour <laughs> show. We had so much to say. We're all radio guys. We're wordy. You know? <laughs> but, but those guys, and again, we've, been, we've all been friends a long time. Um, uh, I've. Mark, Mark, and you heard you may, you might have heard it yesterday when we did the introduction. When Mike Keith did the in- introduction, Mike Keith is the only play-by-play guy the Tennessee Titans have ever had, and Mark Vandermeer is the only play-by-play voice the Texans have ever had. And I, it'll be my tenth year coming up, and I think it'll be Matt's 
maybe fifty or somewhere thereabouts. So, uh, so, but it's, it's a lot of fun to do, and we certainly like uh, talking to those guys. So, while we're on it, right now, Lauren first. Give me what you expect from those three teams next year. Record, quarterback play, who they're going to have, go. I think the Colts and the Texans are both sub-500 with rookie quarterbacks, but they're very excited about the future. And I think the Titans are a disaster. I, I, between Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis, you don't have a quarterback. You can't win. They, they might sniff around 500, but they are not going to be contenders for the division. I don't think any of the three of them are. So eight and nine is the for best the Titans, of the three. Yeah, the best, yeah. And the other two, maybe five or six wins. While playing rookie quarterbacks. With rookie quarterbacks. How about you? I'll say Jaguars 12 and five, Tennessee 7 and 10. Indianapolis, four and thirteen, and Houston, three and fourteen. Both playing with rookie quarterbacks. Both yes. starting. Both starting rookie quarterbacks. Indianapolis and Houston. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, uh, I do think both teams are going to start rookie quarterbacks. Now, it's funky stuff can happen. Guy gets hurt. Guy struggles more. Davis Mills goes back in for a while. You know, I mean, funky stuff can happen. Um, but I think their plan will be to play those rookie quarterbacks, whether it's all 16 games, whether it's out of the gate. I think that I, th- I think a rookie will start more games for those two teams than anybody else will. And I think, and I agree with you guys. I think they're probably they're both going to be for next year. Um, I think the Texans are a three or four win team. I always wonder about the Colts because I still think there's some good players on that roster. They they, they have they have some good players, and. And I think they're going to wind up with C.J. Stroud. That's my opinion, not Anthony Richardson. And I think Stroud's pretty good. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have a pretty good year. But I think that's seven or eight wins, not, not 500. Um, boy, I don't know what to think of the Titans. I just can't. I say Titans 9-8, and eight, Colts 6-11, and 7-10, three or four wins for the Texans. And yeah, the Jaguars win the guy. I think the Jaguars are – well into the double digits. If you have 17 games you get to play now, I see the Jaguars well into double digits would be my expectation. So, so. I'm right there with you. All right. Hey, speaking of the Jaguars, one interview we do want to replay uh, from the weekend is Doug Peterson. Uh, uh, you know how important he is to the city. He was just on with the NFL Network, guys. He's getting – did you notice – did you guys notice the run he was getting from just about everybody we talked to in Indianapolis? Oh, absolutely. He- he is somebody that uh, when I was talking to some PR people, they said, you know, Doug Peterson is one of the most sought-after coaches at the Combine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, he, I mean, right now, if you did a power poll of coaches, where is he? Sixth. He's, he's, he's certainly top ten, if, if not higher, right? Yeah, he certainly is. So, Doug Peterson. Uh, and after this year, he'll be top five. Yeah. Uh, he, after he, this year, he's going to be one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. But you know what, though? After this year, after the next year or two, he might be top five. I mean, if you did, I mean, I mean, if he, he wins the Super Bowl with two well, different well, organizations, right. well, if he wins the Super Bowl, then he is. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but but I mean, after this year, of course, you got him winning the Super Bowl. I get it, but I mean, right. But seriously, after this year, assuming it's another good year, another playoff year, right? Who's your top five? Obviously, Andy Reid, Belichick. Uh, I think Belichick, Belichick Reid for sure. Um, it's funny. It's gonna be funny. Where do you put Sean Payton, who's back yeah. in it now? Nick Sirianni uh, team. Uh, not, team not, not yet for okay. me. Not yet for um, me. I'm probably Harbaugh. Tomlin, for me. Harbaugh, Shanahan for me. Um, Tomlin, Shanahan, Harbaugh, Belichick. I think I'd put Peterson above McVay. I might too. Above might Pete too. Carroll. Yeah. 
Yeah. Although Pete Carroll did a nice job this past year, and he's yeah. won a title, but but th- but that's the six or seven that we just ran off. That I that I would be. I take Peterson over McCarthy, who has a title. I would too. I would too. Uh, I would too. I would take him. I would take him, and I'm so biased, but I would take him over Pete Carroll. Right? I mean, I would. Right? If, if either one could be my coach today, not 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 saying who's more accomplished. I'm saying if either one could be my coach today, who could be your coach? boy? There's not many I'd take. Uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot of guys. I wouldn't trade him out. I wouldn't either. Yeah, I just wouldn't. So anyway, Doug Peterson's done a great job. Uh, he was my first interview when we got to um, Indianapolis on Tuesday. I want you to hear it again. Doug Peterson, after the break, this is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hey, guys, Taylor Dahl here live at TPC Sawgrass for the Players' Championship preview party. Uh, if you've been listening this afternoon, you've obviously already heard all of the details on the new food you can check out this year at the Players' Championship, the drinks you can consume at the Players' Championship this year, in addition to the new app. This new app, super cool, uh, has an in-app GPS to where you can put in whatever you want, whether you're looking for a certain golfer, whether you're looking for a certain hole, whether you want a particular food like tacos on 12, all you have to do is enter that in and it will take you straight over to the location you're looking for. But also remember this weekend, the kickoff for the week starts. So the merch store is open. The pro shop swing by and get first tips on all the TPC merch for this season. But for any more information, check out any of our social media channels. So head over to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram for 1010XL. And we will keep you updated on all the newest information for Players' Championship this year. Hodges Mazda presents the Frangie Show at the Combine. Brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida and the law office of Stephen Doty on 1010XL. All right, back at the NFL Scouting Combine. Frank Frangie now joined by the head coach, Doug Peterson, who joins us here. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Is it, this has been like the media tour day today, right? Is that yeah. What yeah, this is, uh, this is the day we get all the media stops done. And, and uh, it's you know, it's exciting because it's kind of the – you know, even though I go to the league meetings here in, in about another couple of weeks, you know, the end of March, and, and that kind of kicks off the 23 yeah. season. This, this to me, kind of kicks off the, the 23 season. All the teams are here, uh, you know, for the scouting combine, and uh, it's exciting to see people. Doug, did you get a chance when it was over? How does it work to get you? Exhale? I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> I mean, it was a, for all of us, it was a crazy yeah. year. I mean, did, did you get a chance to do that at all? I did. I did. I, I gave the coaches a couple of weeks, um, you know, between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, uh, those two weeks there, I gave gave everybody uh, some time off to be out of the building and just, just relax and recover. It was a long season. Yeah. Go all the way back to the Hall of Fame, right. you know, game. We started early um, with training camp and, you know, we go to the divisional round of the postseason. So it was good to exhale a little bit and, uh, you know, kind of recharge again for uh, making another push. Yeah, I told you this privately when we talked, so I'm going to say it publicly now. I've never seen culture change as much as you change it in one year. And I mean that sincerely. You know I do. We've had this talk. Right. But but I, but it's it's pretty amazing how good that locker room was. And I think that really helped you down the stretch through some adversity. How did you change it like that? You know, I give a lot of credit to the players. Um, they have to buy into to what I'm selling, so yeah. to speak. And, and um, you know, I think I think for me it's, it's just about being – you know, I learned this from Coach Reed. I spent so much time with him, not only as a player, but as an assistant coach and coordinator with him. Just be you. Be be Doug Peterson. Be transparent. Be authentic. Be real. You know, build relationships with your team, with your players, um, and 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 just show them that you're, you're a human being, right? And, yeah. and and you're not you're not on this pedestal looking down on people. You want to get in there and work, and you want to solve problems, and you want to 
you want to fix things. I think that's what the team and the guys saw, you know, from me. So I think, I think that becomes easy to kind of buy into to what I was what I was bringing, and and uh, they could trust me, right? And and uh, that's that's the key to everything with an organization, you know, an NFL team. We got so many people and so many uh, coaches and and and, and uh, you know people that kind of at your disposal that you know trust is a trust is a big thing, and and our guys were able to do that. Yeah, players are smart. People people can see authentic, can't they? I mean, they, they sure can. They can. I, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Um, and to that end. Watching the moves so far, uh, extending Roy, reworking Foyer, bringing Jamichael back, it's kind of keeping the band together, isn't it? I mean, that's 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 what it looks like. It is, and throwing Christian and Zay, yeah, you know, on right. those restructures and stuff, and and that's what it takes. It takes the sacrifice. And when the players see the type of team that we can become, we're not there yet, but what we can become, and they sacrifice a little bit of of themselves for the for the betterment of the team. That's that's a sign of, of of true leadership, right? And and so that's really exciting to see that our guys are willing to uh, restructure, free up some money uh, to where we can go keep Evan, you know, and, and keep keep JT, and, and and at least make a make a strong push and effort to keep as many of our free agents as we can. Doug Peterson with us here at the uh, scouting combine. When did the light go on for Trevor? Was it after London? Was it so- something happened? I, I think so. I think I think we, we've 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 talked a lot a lot about this. I think I think that was the game that he understood. In order for us to have success, he needs to play better. And 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 it wasn't, you know, the, uh, I had a con- I pulled him in. We had a he and I had a conversation. And I I just gave him the confidence, like, don't worry about making mistakes. You're our guy. We'll coach you through the mistakes. Just go out there and be you. You know, and, and, and cut the ball loose and, and trust your instincts. Trust the guys around you, you know. And, and uh, I think that's the game that he realized that maybe he was holding back just a little bit. Uh, but since that point, man, he was he was going after it and cutting it loose and trusting his guys. And, you know, you saw the overtime win in Baltimore. You saw the Cowboys the next week. You saw, you know, four touchdowns of the Chargers, you know, playoff game and all those things. You know the division, the, the, the AFC South title game. I mean, I, those are that's the that's the quarterback that 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 we know we have, and he can only get better from there. Doug, the two names that people talk about are Evan Ingram and Juwan Taylor, Arden Key too, I suppose. Yeah, Arden that Key are, that are out there. Those are three important guys when we talk about keeping the band together. Trying hard to keep those guys, I would imagine. It, it's hard. Free agency is hard every year, and 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 I don't fault the players. You know, players are trying to get as much as they can, and they should. I mean, these are good players, and and um, they also want to be, and they've all verbally expressed they want to be in Jacksonville. They they see what we 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 did. They see what we're building, um, and they want to be a part of that. And and you know, so there's got to be some give and take, obviously, uh, during this process, and uh, hopefully they understand that because we definitely understand it. We want to. Sign them all if we can. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it'll be exciting when, uh, when, the, when we can finally do it. Young, last year's young players, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, others. Did you see them develop? Did you see them mature? Could you, could, from a coach from the sideline watching it, watching tape, did you see that start to happen with those guys? I did. I did. You know, I think it was – I don't want to say that the, 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 the NFL season was overwhelming to them. I think as the season progressed, they got more comfortable – uh, in what we were trying to do, I think I think in Devin's case he was trying to do too much. Yeah. Uh, I think Tr- uh, Trayvon, we kind of figured out that he's a good player inside as well as outside. So being able to move him around and Chad's just a solid, you know, special teams player. He's a good role situational. He came in and started a couple games for us and did a nice job there. So all these guys having a full season, 
you know, now under their belt, they're going to be much better as they approach, you know, the offseason this year. Does Trayvon play more with his hand down? Is he still going to do both? He's going to do both. He'll do both. I, I think he's – I think standing up was new to him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one thing that now he can – he can really work on more moves, you know, but but I think putting his hand down on the ground, uh, being in a three technique, a four eye, whatever it might be, um, is, is just utilizing his length, speed, athleticism uh, can really, you know, put pressure on guards and tackles. What are your challenges moving forward? How, where does this team need to get better? Are there are glaring areas, Doug, where you say, okay, we got to, we're so good in so many areas, we got to get better at this, this, and this. I know both offense and defense, we got to be better on third down. Okay. That, that was that was a glaring glaring. We didn't get off the field enough on defense, and we didn't stay on the field enough on offense and red zone. You know, red zone, offense and defense. We must be better. Now, you know, we we talked a lot about the giveaway takeaway thing, and I think we were we were okay there. But we we've got to do a better job at creating turnovers defensively, right? Uh, and then and then keeping the football. You know, especially in the red zone, not throwing the ball away or throwing the ball in, you know to them yeah. or fumbling the football. Um, you know, and then and then too, I think I think you know, and it's nothing. I think Riley did a great job for us, Patterson. But I think there were some field goals early in the season that that he would love to have back. Mm-hmm. Um, that that are all point. I mean, I think the first Kansas City game. Yeah. You know, there were a couple kicks there. So those are all some things that we can focus on uh, and get better this off season. Um, you know, besides individually players and stuff like that, that we can we can obviously help you know improve their game too. Doug Peterson with us. You talk about that. We talked about that amazing culture and that great locker room. But the challenges are different this year. People expect you to be good. It, it, that's it's different, isn't it? How, how is it different? I mean, because look, I'm walking around here, man. People are buzzing about the Jaguars. I, you're walking around with a grin on your face. I mean, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it, it it's different this year. I think it is. It is, and I want our players to feel that pressure because I think that's going to you know. Iron sharpens iron. So we feel that pressure. It's just gonna, it's gonna uh, draw our attention, uh, be a little more, you know, uh, pinpointed, be a little more focused, a little more driven. Um, it, it just goes to my points this past year that you can't substitute for the hard work and preparation, right? And that preparation starts in the off season. And and um, yeah, there's gonna be a target on our back. We're the AFC South champs. Hey. There's going to be a target. Our three division opponents are going to be shooting for us. And so we have got to be our best every single week. And and I was challenging our team. You know, you've heard this phrase before, be at your best when your best is required. And mm-hmm. and every week we're going to need our best, you know. And we've got a great schedule coming up. we got some – we got a bunch of playoff teams on that schedule. And, uh, um, you know, so, so we've got our work cut out for us. Yeah, first place schedule means first place teams. You're exactly, exactly right. right about exactly that. right. What's the next step for Trevor? Is, is, it a, is it a statistical thing? Is it just growth that you see? What's the next step? It's not statistical. Um, he had he had some great numbers this year. I mean, obviously we can get better in the passing game. I think I think you're going to see him get through progressions better. He's going to understand defenses better, coverages, how teams are trying to take away, you know, maybe Christian Kirk or Zay, Evan, whoever it might be, and he's got to be able to get to number two or three in the progression. Um, I think I think that's where he can take another step. I think the Charger game, playoff game, was a, was an, a big sort of step in the direction where. You know, Coach Staley and his staff did a nice job of disguising some coverages. They gave us some false indicators uh, where our quarterback can can get better and learn yeah. from. And as a staff, we can prepare him better. So there's there's a, there's a big jump that he can um, that he can take this off season. You know, working with his guys again. And again, we're waiting on the Calvin Ridley uh, decision so we can get him in the building yeah. and get him going and see how he can impact our offense. So um, you know. 
we're just excited for this upcoming year. I think our guys were excited at the yeah. end of the season, looking forward to getting back in the building. When you come here, so much goes on here. There's workouts, there's interviews, there's the medical. What what do you pay attention to the most uh, when, when you come to the combine? What do you get out of the combine? You know, the combine, too, is you, 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 I think as coaches, as, as scouts, you, you, you listen. You listen to conversations. You listen to what people are saying. You listen to the media circuits and what team especially teams in our division what are they talking about what are their what are their needs what are their what are they focused on um and and that's a big part of it right because all the media is here and and everybody's everybody's talking but i think too for coaches it's really the first time for us to lay our eyes on these on these prospects uh as we formulate our opinions and, and really begin diving into the film and everything so um it's good to see everybody. You know, we're we're not we're not competitors. We're now we're we're buddies right. and friends, and um, you know you get to catch up a little bit. But uh, uh, it's fun. It kind of kicks off the year. All right, you got your off season coming up. Whatever, there's not much of an off season. For there's you not guys. much anymore. Play, do you, not do you much play anymore. Play golf yet? Are we playing golf yet? Uh, I've played like three times, right. I think, since uh, right. since the season. So you, you told me when you got the job, you were like a four point three. <laughs> not, anymore. not anymore. Not anymore. It's going up. It's closer to five. Hey, thanks for spending. I want to say right, this Frank. again. Congratulations. What, what, what a great you. job you did, and thanks for stopping by. We appreciate you bet. it. Thank you, Doug Peterson. He was with me on Tuesday, our first day at the uh, NFL Scouting Combine. More in a moment, live from. Island Wind Company, stay with us. That means it's almost quitting time. Two segments to go in the program and in the week. Frank Frangie hates Carlion. Lauren Brooks and Andrew Gibson with you. You know, it's unusual that we were able to run into Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, all of them together. You, you, <laughs> really don't, you don't see that very often. And not at SEC Media Days. And not at SEC Media Days, but if you follow Joey Milanaro on Twitter, and if you don't, what's the matter with you? He's the best follow on Twitter. He's super 70s sports. He's hilarious. He does impersonations. So I thought we had him on. He talked a little bit about his business at first. But I thought, you know, we needed to know. We heard there was a party going on at the Combine. You know that, Carlin, there was a party. Big party. Party going on. So we were able to ask some of the coaches uh, through our friend Joey Milanaro uh, about their excitement level about this party. Sure. Okay, so we're going to do a Q&A here. So just indulge me. Um Hey, Coach Saban, I hear that there's a party here. Some people like you kind of take this stuff too seriously, but there's going to be a cocktail party here in Indianapolis, Coach. Will you be attending, and how do you feel about that? Well, I won't be attending one because I got my own program to run, I, <laughs> so I'm not going to be in Indianapolis no way because I got to worry about getting back to the College Football National Championship. I, so you go on there and have your cocktail party. The only cocktail party I'm familiar with is the one that Florida and Georgia play down there and then, you know, sometime in November, all right? So I'm not worried about that. I got to take care of my players, all right? But I think, Coach Kelly, if, if, if Coach Saban doesn't go, you're going to bring that, that southern charm to the party, Coach. Oh, yes. Mighty. It's going to be one of the most fine summer days here. And it feels like summer in downtown Indianapolis. I'm going to have myself a nice iced tea and scout some mighty fine football players. And, and Coach, o, Coach O, I heard you're not invited to this thing, and I don't understand why you wouldn't be invited to a cocktail party with Coach Saban and Coach Kelly. Hey, man. <laughs> when we this party, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be watching football. I'm going to do that, but I'm going to be a prop for the seven and myself some cocktails. Let's <laughs> go back a good time. Hey, Coach, and Mr. Ursa, you put on the party because you, you always like to know these coaches. Is Jeff Saturday coming? Is Peyton coming? And, and, and these- Jeff, we, we love Jeff, <laughs> man. We love Jeff. We love Peyton. I call Peyton every night, try to get him to read me a bedtime story. He doesn't answer. I will be there. 
We love it. We love the combine in town, man. And uh, we're going to take a quarterback. We're going to take <laughs> C.J. Stroud. <laughs> he played in the horseshoe at, at Ohio State. And we're the horseshoe, man. And he's going to bring us back. And when and if that happens, Chris, now that you're with Tariko, you know, Al Michaels seemed grumpy. But you're a happy guy. If you do one of these Indianapolis games and C.J. Stroud, you're going to love that, right? There are not many quarterbacks I like on C.J. Stroud. <laughs> I mean, you just look at C.J. Stroud, you say, oh, here's a guy who can really do it all. Uh, he can run. He can certainly throw. Played in the big games at Ohio State. And uh, I think going from the horseshoe in Columbus to wearing the horseshoe on the helmet would be quite the nice fit. Our friend Joey Molinaro. Unbelievable. Uh, really funny guy. and uh, He was so kind to stop by. Lauren asked if he'd come by and. And spent some time with us, and he did. And uh, you I didn't even have to harass him. No, he was really <laughs> good. And hey, look, he's like anyone else. He, he's he's a new star in that in that in the in the digital world and yeah. the in the social media world. But he's a star. And but anytime you're a star like that, you can grow your brand. You'd right. Yeah, and he seems so nice. Hopefully, it can become a tradition. But yeah. you would understand. He's, I uh, I mean, in the next year, think about the material he is going to put out there. Uh, and to me, that's what I mean, the fact that he can do those voices is astonishing, but it's the fact that his material is so strong. Right. Uh, I mean, he would be a gifted comedy writer right. if he didn't do impressions, just setting up the scene. I mean, the fact that I, I crack up every time he has Ursay <laughs> spoiling the pick. Right, right. I mean, I, every time. Yeah, I've yeah. heard it three times. Yeah, laugh yeah. hard every single time because that's exactly what Jim Ursay would do. Right. He would and tell you exactly who the Colts right. are going to take. And, and, I, and I can tell you, we, he had, I, he, we gave him no background on that. Yeah. I mean, there was, I mean, honestly, I'm, while we're interviewing him earlier about his career, I'm trying to think of how to make this thing funny. So he had no pre- preparation because I didn't know what I was even going to ask him. That's how good he is. I mean, that's how quick-witted he is. Right? I mean, every, every answer. It was pretty amazing. It's incredible. And how does he and, not start laughing at, like, yeah. at his own impersonation? You know what I mean? He's a pro. He's so good. He's a, he pro. Is. He's he's a total a pro. pro. And, and the thing is, he's got six others that are just, just as good. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that just sound exactly like the real person. It's yeah. just he's, he is he's an unbelievable talent. Yeah, he 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 really is. So, so it was a it was a fun trip. It was fun. We got to see a lot of the folks that we, that we know well. A lot of the folks certainly in the Jaguar family. Uh, it was it was good to kind of see those guys and get an idea uh, of what might be happening uh, come draft time. The the funny thing too that I think he does is the obviously the Brian Kelly is not Brian Kelly, but again that speaks to his comedic talent because the joke is Brian Kelly right tried to pawn himself off as this Southerner when he took the LSU job and had that ridiculous moment at the basketball game where he was laying on this bogus accent. Uh, so, I mean, it's just it, – but the Collinsworth – his transition to Collinsworth on the C.J. Stroud thing, yeah, it, 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 it literally sounds like Chris Collinsworth. Mm-hmm. Would, it would absolutely say that sentence. Exa- oh, yeah. He, he always says, He's a, here's a guy. Right. Here's a guy. You know, so uh, – <laughs> he was really good. It was really well done. It Hilarious. Was, it was really fun having him. We've got news and notes in a minute. I want to give you the table. It's coming up on Sunday morning in just a sec. But before we do, as we get set now, um, the world kind of stops a little bit for us when the combine comes around because we're so NFL-centric. Think about it, though. The players are next week. The, the, the March Madness is after it. I love March Madness. I love everything about it. It is a bummer 
that that it's already we're we're a week and a half from the conference tournaments or a week from the conference tournaments, and we've already known for two or three weeks that the Gators and the Knolls weren't going to sniff this thing. You know, still bums me out a little bit. I can't ever remember a year where they both have to win the tournament to get in. Like, there have been years where they've struggled, yes. but maybe if they yeah. got a couple of wins, they might get in. They're not even – I mean, obviously, Florida State's really struggled, but Florida's not even remotely close. They have a net probably somewhere, like, in the 50s, but they're going to have to win the tournament. Yeah, well, I mean, well, even if they got to the final, which isn't going to happen. Right. But even if that did miraculously happen, it's not going to be enough. Well, think about this. Mike White made five of seven tournaments. Billy missed his last year, but I got to believe he went to seven or eight in a row before that, right? Oh, yeah. So they've probably been to 17 of the last 20. I'll I'll bet you Florida's been to 17 of the last 20 tournaments. Well, so that's not many for them to miss. And they didn't win the SEC tournament any of those years other than 14. So it's not like they needed in that year they didn't need to win it to get in. FSU, when's the last time FSU missed? Did they miss last year? They did. Lauren, Lauren looked it up. Which I didn't remember that. I thought for some reason I thought they made it last But before, look, so they've missed the last two, but it's been a long time since they've missed. So so the last two years both have missed. After that, I'll bet you got to go way back to see the year they both missed. But Florida was close last year because they had the game. I think they lost to Texas A&M in the SEC the yeah. tournament that came down yeah, yeah. right and to the end. And they probably if they went And the if game. they had won that one, they might have been in just yeah. with that alone. Yeah, so they, they, been they alone. were pretty close, but – uh, but obviously this year, neither one of them are, are close at all. By the way, we will be at Island Wing that Thursday. So not this coming Thursday, we'll be at the players. But the following Thursday, we'll be at Island Wing Southside. Yeah. So come here and hang out and watch all the basketball action. Then the next day on Friday, we will be at String Sports Brewery in Springfield. Looking forward to that. They will have a special eye here yeah. and a beer release. So it's going to be great. Love them both. Uh, time now for What to Watch. It is brought to you by the Best Bet. All kind of fun things going on. At the uh, best bet, including a $300 No Limit Hold'em stack tournament with a $100,000 guarantee at Best Bet St. Augustine. That kicks off or kicked off yesterday at 6 o'clock, and those satellites go um, throughout uh, throughout uh, the, the next month or so. It's great, great stuff. You're going to love it. That is the No Limit Hold'em stack tournament in St. Augustine. Best Bet has so much fun stuff to do. You know what I'm going to watch this weekend for me? Anthony Richardson on Saturday night. It's not a game. It's not an event. It's an event, but it's not. I mean, when I do these what to watch every week, I don't. I don't can't remember last time it's something. It wasn't an event. It's not. I'm. It's, I'm going to watch Anthony Rich, and I will watch. Oh yeah, it's going to be awesome to see. And I uh, and and again, I'm I'm intrigued to see what Levis and and Stroud look like as well. It's uh, it, it's almost the fact that it's not crystal clear who the top one is makes it more interesting to me, particularly since the Jaguars don't need one. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it is going to be fantastic seeing what Anthony Richardson and, and all these guys do. And, and Richardson in particular has a chance to, to put up a combine that we'll be talking about for 20 years. Edition 2 of River City Hardball is Sunday morning. Gibby, what's coming up? Uh, yeah, it's coming up Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Uh, we're going to have Stephen Barnes, the head coach of First Coast, and his stud catcher, Hunter Carnes. He's a 2024 Florida State baseball commit. Frank, first coast has played four games, right? Hunter Carnes has hit three home runs in the first four games. And wow. so he's, wow. he's coming in live in studio. We might be looking at the next Buster Posey coming through Jacksonville with Hunter sure. Carnes. He's a terrific player. And so they're going to come in live in studio, both of them, the head coach and Hunter Carnes, 11 a.m. to start the show to lead off on Sunday morning. And then I'm going to have Chandler Howard. He's a freshman DH from JU. 
Chandler is tied right now for the team lead with three home runs. Two of the three home runs he's hit, Frank, against FSU in Florida. And then he oh, hit wow. a ball on Tuesday night against the Gators that went over the scoreboard in right field at JU. I've not seen a home that. run do that. I mean, I've never seen a home run go over the new scoreboard. So Chandler's going to come on at 11:20, And then finally, Cherokee Nichols out of Fletcher and UNF. He's the right fielder for the Ospreys. He's hit two bombs already so far this season. Catch the, check this out. So UNF has hit 18 homers so far this season. That's more than Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia in college yeah, baseball. Awesome. Pretty amazing stuff. Pretty amazing. You're exactly right. So all comes up. River City Hardball, 11 o'clock on Sunday. Speaking of hardball, by the way, Florida and Miami. That series starts tonight. That's going to yeah. be very interesting. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. We'll take a break. Lauren's going to wrap the program with news and notes right after this. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Happy Friday, everybody, and certainly thanks again to our sponsors who sent us up to Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. A few news and notes from the Combine. Hayes, this is actually not from the Combine, but I will say this news came out today. Daniel Jones is looking for more than $45 million a year on his extension. Uh, what? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's it's one of If you're the Giants, you're in a tough spot because if you let him go, then – Obviously, you have no in-house solution, so now you're in the, the quarterback market, and there just isn't enough talent to go around. Uh, so, I, you know, I think Daniel Jones and his agent are being pretty shrewd here. I almost think the Giants have to pay it, as wow. ridiculous as it is, because he is – you can at least make this argument. He had his best season this past season under Dable. Yes. So you hope, like, like we hope with yeah, Trevor and Doug, absolutely. that year two is going to be even better. I wouldn't want to pay him that. I, I would front load that thing so much that if he is a, a just really disappointing player in the fall, then you can get out from under the contract. So I, I might do it, but there would be an, a, a very easy out after year one. So, yeah, we'll pay you your $45 million a year. That's fine. And we'll guarantee 60 of it. Wow. So you're going to get $60 million guaranteed. But if you stink – we're going to be able to cut you going into next year and, and, and save $30 million on our cap. It's still pretty amazing that the 19th best quarterback <laughs> in the NFL is going to make $45 million. I mean, yeah. think, that, think of the world or whatever right. he is. But, think but of the world we're 15 in. 15 touchdowns, five picks this season. Yeah. Right, but he ran for a good bit, right? No, no, I think, yeah. he's, a, I think he's a good player. But I, my point look, is, the point is he's a middle-of-the-pack yeah. guy. But the thing is, in that market where you can't rebuild – what, what are you going to do if you let him walk? So if you let him walk, you're going to be in the Derek Carr sweepstakes, which is only one team's going to win out of five or six. Maybe Garoppolo is a, is a solution. That, I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, are you going to, if the Ravens tag Lamar Jackson and it's not exclusive, are you going to give them two first-rounders and pay Lamar Jackson the Deshaun? I mean, the, my point is, there's no good options, right. and they made the playoffs. So, I, I mean, you could draft Hendon Hooker in late first round and hope that Hendon Hooker and maybe you sign Gardner Minshew and, you know, for a much lower price. Uh, you know, m maybe that'd be the option. But if they're serious about trying to contend, you kind of have to pay Daniel Jones. Uh, but like I said, you definitely want to have an, uh, an escape hatch 
on that contract in year two. Yeah, absolutely. Frank, I thought this uh, tweet from Daniel Jeremiah was pretty funny. Looking over my cornerback notes for today, since the cornerbacks met with the media up in Indy, they all have one thing in common. They got beat by Marvin Harrison Jr. I'll tell you what now. He's going to be – he's Randy Moss good. He's not big like him, but I mean, he's, I mean, he's going to be – he might be the best receiver. With, with apologies to Jamar Chase and others, he might be the best receiver to come into the league in, in a generation. He's really good. He's an unbelievable player, and uh, it's it's unfortunate. The Jaguars, I don't think, are going to have any chance at getting him, but he is somebody that I think immediately walks into the NFL and puts up the 1,400 yards, yes. 11 touchdowns, assuming he's in an environment where he's got a, a decent quarterback. He's 6'4". He is unbelievable. Yeah, he's, real, he's really, really good, really good. Hayes, you were high on Gervon Dexter after seeing him at the Combine. Did you see what Calais Campbell said on NFL Network today? That Dexter kid from Florida, woo, big and athletic, can move. Very impressive. He made a fan out of me today. Very cool. He, he really does remind you of Calais Campbell coming out of Miami. He's not quite as tall, but Calais has an odd body for because he's so tall. And, it, and when he came out of college, he wasn't the giant. That he, that he was when he was here. It took time for him to develop that frame. And Dexter, his upper body has really filled out. He's done a good job in the weight room. And at 310 pounds to move the way he moves, yeah, I mean, and again, he plays a position that is so scarce right now in terms of being able to affect the quarterback, collapse the pocket. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Gervon Dexter is called in the first 31 picks. I, I will tell you this, about, and I hope he is, because he, he, he stayed the course with Florida. He could have blew town. He didn't. He was proud to be a Gator and good for him. Um, he never took over games. He never, he, he never had even dominant moments in games like we've seen college players have. Is that because he's just not a playmaker, or is that because, as we said before, he might have been getting doubled the whole time because they didn't have a lot of good players? And I don't know which it is, but, but that's my biggest concern. The Jaguars, by the way, ranked 12th in cap space following all the recent moves. Yeah. 12th in the NFL. Yeah, kind of middle of the pack. They, they know what they're doing. I mean, they, you know, I still believe so much of this is geared to trying to find a way to bring back Juwan Taylor. But also, I'm, they've cleared up enough room now that I'm a little intrigued if they don't do something maybe we're not expecting in the free agent period. Well, I, they're going to spend the money. Yeah. So if, if Juwan Taylor elects to test the market and goes elsewhere, that money is going somewhere. It's just a question of, at that point, uh, who do the Jaguars prioritize on the free agent market? Is it one player, one main player? Is it, well, let's try and get you know, two you know, pretty good guys, uh, but they're, actually, they're absolutely going to spend that money. Uh, this, is, this is a huge year for the Jaguars. They absolutely should believe that they can win the Super Bowl, and I think all their moves are going to reflect that. Hey, Jordan Addison said that he patterns his game after Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley and Bills Stephon Diggs. It's good. It's these guys never pattern their games after bad players. It's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I sure like having yeah. I sure like having those two in the same sentence. I yeah, do yeah. too. That's why I, I, I really I know wanted Stephon to mention Diggs is. it. Yeah, right. very much. Absolutely. Uh, we've talked a lot about Riley Kugel, the Florida men's basketball player potentially leaving. Well, Todd Golden sorry, was asked on whether or not Kugel could be poached, and this was Golden's quote. I think he's a loyal guy. He's grateful of the opportunity he has here. He's not a guy I'm worried about. I hope he's right because that'll be that's his most important recruit. If we're in a sad day when your most important recruit currently plays for your team, 
but that's his most important recruit. Yeah, hard to believe the Gators wrap up the season tomorrow against LSU. And, uh, yeah, Kugel's been really the lone bright spot, uh, or certainly, you know, one of the few. It, it'll be interesting. I'm sure he's going to get uh, some serious offers. And, and the NIL is probably basically the same. Florida will probably come up with whatever uh, another school will come up with. It's just where is Florida in terms of being able to win something of significance compared to a program that is consistently winning conference titles, yeah. competing for conference titles, and making right. deep runs in the tournament. And what, what he's got to decide, if indeed he's being recruited by others or pursued by others and considering, do you want to be the big man on campus that, that, is, that sparks the turnaround, or do you want to be one of the four or five good players? College baseball, number six, Florida welcomes in number 22, Miami, for a three-game series. First pitch begins tonight at 6.30. I'll be watching. I, I love college baseball. And, I, and, I, and, it, and this, I mean, again, this, fire, this Florida team is a fireworks display, man. They shoot it. So, I mean, they shoot. They, 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 I'm still on shooting. They swing it. I mean, they can really hit. And they can, I mean, this team can really hit. And I, uh, and this guy, and by the way, this guy, Jack Caglione, Woo! he's got eight home runs. He leads the nation. He was the uh, the player of the month in the SEC. How is he not? He's winning games as a pitcher, throwing almost 100. And he's, uh, I mean, he's, I'm going to turn it on just to watch him, really. He's a monster. Absolutely. By the way, yeah, uh, JU did defeat number six Florida yep. uh, on Wednesday night, 10 to 8. And then JU this weekend plays host to Southeastern Louisiana. First pitch tonight in that three game series begins. At 6 o'clock, you've got UNF playing host to Fordham in a four game series this yeah. weekend. First pitch tonight 605 and finally number 16 fsu plays host to florida gulf coast in a three-game series first pitch begin at 5 p.m so lots of college baseball i love it i love it very much i love i love my call i love me some college baseball very very much absolutely uh hayes we talked a lot about the players today and certainly we will dive into it way more next week but i saw Smitter tweeted out 49 of the top 50 in the fedex cup standings are coming to the players. The only one missing, Ben Taylor, who's getting married. Bad timing to get married, but that's neither here nor there. Nice and, job, Ben. <laughs> yeah, and he is from England, so maybe he didn't yeah. realize how important the players uh. is. I don't know, but no Tiger Woods, but that does not matter. We are going to have a loaded field, and right now, by the way, at Bay Hill, Kurt Kitayama is leading at 9-under, followed by Shoffley, Corey Connors, and Cameron Young. They're all at 6-under. Rom had a bad day. He was 4-over today. So yep. he's at 3 I'd be very interested in seeing how that affects Mr. Andrew Gibson. Yeah, yeah. As right. he is on the clock. Yes, he is. For the Players' Championship. Yeah, but you thinking John Rahm or are you going to keep it from us? What are you thinking? I- I'm going to hold this close to the vest until <laughs> we make the pick. I like it. I like it. I, I like it. Very savvy. You know, you, There's you know, a rumor he might trade smart. the pick to the Colts. Uh, <laughs> where is that? Did you realize Florida opens spring football camp tomorrow in FSU on Monday? You know, I did not until Hayes said it during the break. Uh, honest to God, I had... I had no idea. Shame, shame, double shame on me. I did not realize those teams were practicing this weekend. I really didn't. I I'm, can't wait to hear all about Graham Burr. Oh, well, yeah. Being, if Graham finds out I didn't know about that, being <laughs> that I'm his personal spokesperson, right. that is not going to be a good thing. But I, uh, I did not. And finally, tonight, it is the biggest battle in all of college sports. Well, at least in my world. Oh, are you kidding me? Number one, Oklahoma. Number two, Florida. In Norman. 9 p.m. ESPN2 for those who want to take a peek. I am incredibly nervous, uh, but I'm certainly looking forward to it. And it's going to be one for the ages. Carline, this is one versus two. 
mano a mano with everybody watching. But I got a question. <laughs> what is it? How are we looking on the beam? <laughs> Uh, so far, so good this season. We've been really good on the beam. Uh, had an incredible bars routine last week. Uh, so we'll see. Look, this is high pressure, and, and this is the exact environment that certainly Florida's used to having at home meets. Uh, I expect it to be just What's it on? rocking tonight. ESPN2. You're going to be locked in? Did you really have to ask that no, question? Really, really. Right, right when it's coming out of my mouth. I've watched fun. every second. You always say you've watched every dribble, you've watched every pitch. Yeah. I watched every second, every rotation uh, of Florida uh, Gymnastics. I might, uh, I might take a peek. We're, we're, after all the travel, um, I'm, I'm bringing home wings for Suzanne and me today, so we're staying in. This is a stay-in night for the Frangies. So uh, I might take a peek. Well, good luck with that. Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Baloo, we're right, we're right around the corner from the Players' Championship. You getting fired up? Absolutely. Uh, you know, today was very interesting. Uh, obviously watching it before um, uh, combine coverage, but... Yeah, you look at John Rahm, who I think many believe is the best golfer right now in the world, just how great he was yesterday. I think he shot a 65-66 on Thursday. Then he drops a 76 on you wow. today. Uh, yeah, 11 strokes di uh, eleven strokes different in, in one day, a 65 to a 76 for John Rahm. And then JT just tore it up, but he bogeyed 17 and 18. He added it 7 under, had an opportunity to shoot a 65. He'll settle for a 67. So we're seeing the best players in the world right now playing down the road in Orlando. And, you know, they announced, as you guys were aware, the field for next week. Uh, 43 of the top 50 from the World Golf Rankings will be here oh, for the man. Players' Championship. I can't wait, Rick. Like you, and I know you agree with this, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. I mean, really, really is. I can't wait to get out there. Can't wait to watch the little golf that's coming. What's coming up tonight on the show? We got a little bit of golf coming up tonight. We also got a huge fight tomorrow night in Las Vegas. Bones put on... Uh, I guess it's now officially 43 pounds to get ready for this fight. Many believe he is simply the greatest to ever get in the octagon, but we'll see how he does now with the heavyweight. So we'll spend a little time talking about UFC 285. Got a couple of football topics I want to get into, and how exciting is tomorrow going to be with those quarterbacks as they will test uh, those who will actually work out. And, you know, certainly the measurements come into play for a few of them as well. So uh, the very latest coming out of Indianapolis as well. We plan on being busy here over the next two hours. I know you will, Rick. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Rick Ballou goes into the night. Don't go anywhere. That'll wrap it for our week. We surely enjoyed going to Indianapolis. We thank uh, all of you for listening. That's what makes it all worthwhile. We love the NFL Scouting Combine tomorrow. Or next week, we'll be in Sawgrass. We'll be live in studio Monday. Then the rest of the week, all of our programs will be at the Players' Championship. We can't wait to get out of here. We're out of here, but don't go anywhere. Rick Beluga's into the night right now. For Hayes, Warren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Francis. So long.